the spirit of the village voice is like fuck the establishment which is so weird because now they were owned by an establishment so my union rep was you know a guy who had been there for like 40 years and he was like tell them how you feel this is your moment and i was like it's an honor and a privilege like i can't really fucking pitch a fit because i'm like 27 i've been here two years i've had like eight cover stories like i've got laid off the same day as like nat hentoff who had been there literally 50 years who's that he was a prolific writer for the village voice and like he was so old school that he literally faxed in his article because he hand wrote it and then like the assistant had to type it up really yeah here's a letter to the new york post the worst piece of paper on the east coast matter of fact the whole states 40 cents in new york city 50 cents elsewhere it makes no goddamn sense at all america's oldest continuously published daily piece of bullshit flavor flavor is the one that makes the post money writers make embarrassing headlines funny trying to undress my past though it's naked most out flavor from selling all the record europe asia took the streets of new york flavor flavor known for his finesse talk doing too good for the post to employ me new york post can't destroy me rap a public enemy rap star peace lover with the headline of a fucked up cover out the pot to the place new york post get your story straight motherfucker it always seems that they make our neighborhood look bad here's a letter to the new york post Yo, ain't worth the papers, put it on. Founded in 1801 by Alexander Hamilton. That's 190 years of continuous fucked up news. Yo, one can play the game, two can play the game. Yo, flame, read on. Can't forget you either, Jet. Flavor Flav is your best Jet yet. My own people own the book business. Wrote on Why would you be wearing ash on your forehead when you're an adult? I get it. I get that's your team, Team Jesus. But like... You have to understand it looks ridiculous. I mean, you must know that. You must get approached here or there by like non-believers and go, hey, you got some dirt in your head. I mean, I saw people at bars with it. Isn't the point of Ash Wednesday to start Lent? You're supposed to give some shit up? You're not supposed to be out at fucking bars, Paul. It just seems weird. Plus, the best thing was it fell out on Valentine's Day. You guys, I'm going to give you a tip right now. This is for comedians and for uh, people. Valentine's Day is a terrible time for comedy. The shows suck. They sucked yesterday. Four shows. They sucked. There's so much pressure. There's people in there. The only... Okay. So, like, even if you're a good audience member, even if you're a person that goes out Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and then you happen to be going out Wednesday also for Valentine's Day, you'd be a good audience member. But the people around you are so pressure-packed. It's kind of like at the comedy store when Mitzi would come in for showcases and the open mic and the employee section would be great. And then as soon as Mitzi sat down, everybody got real fucking scared and nervous. And so their acts would get like regimented and real exact. And people could feel in the audience. They didn't know anything about Mitzi and who was sitting in the back. They could just feel the comedians being like way needier and pressing. And then they got worse. This wasn't on the comedian side. This was just the audience's side. So even the good audience members got worse because of the shitty audience members. It's too much pressure. Do something the day before. Do something the fucking 12th. Do something the 15th this weekend. Fucking specific. You should stay at home on Valentine's Day. Be, be, fucking le- legitimately. You should stay at home on Valentine's Day. Just watch some movies with your girlfriend or boyfriend. Don't do the fucking state-mandated shit. That's fucking boring and cliched. I wouldn't even do it. I would just yell to everybody on stage, Happy Ash Wednesday. Um, Jesus died for your sins. This is the day he got, he got burned at a roast. 
So uh, they commemorate. Do you know that? Do you know that's what Ash Wednesday was for? Because they sent up Jesus. They knew he was going to die. And so they uh, they got a roast for him. Uh, Paul and Peter and Mary, they all um, they all got together, some of his friends, uh, the Romans, the Jews, and they all fucking roasted him. The Jews probably organized it, actually, and wrote for the people who were like, you know, Roman soldiers and stuff. They're not good writers. And so the Jews wrote these burns. And then every time they got a really good one on Jesus, somebody would come up to him and put a little ash on his forehead and be like, sick burn. Um, so now I, I should start doing that. I remember the first time I saw an ash. It was when I switched to Jewish day school from Hebrew Academy. It was like a less religious high school. And I saw this doctor, I forget, the math teacher, he had it. And I was like, hey, Dr. So-and-so, you have, uh, you have ash on your forehead. And he goes, yeah, it's Ash Wednesday. And man, I felt like an asshole. I felt like such a jerk. But looking back on it now, a couple decades later, he was the jerk. He's a fucking adult with ash on his head. Are you nuts? Are you fucking crazy? You have ash on your forehead, idiot. Stop it. Just stop it. That's what Jesus wants you to do. Wear ash on your forehead and then go to bars and be fucking regular life just with a little ash. Stupid fucking idiots. Don't go to work. Stay home and mourn if you're going to mourn. You fucking half-assers. Christians are the worst half-assers in the world. All they do is fucking barely do it. Oh, for Lent, you're supposed to fast all day and only eat at night. And then the Christians were like, well, this is getting difficult. So the popes were like, well, we're going to lose everybody. So instead of sticking to their guns and have some goddamn integrity, you know what they do? They go, okay, fine, fine, fine. Just fast on, on, uh, on, on Fridays. And then people are like, okay, cool. And then they're like, you know, well, it's actually a weekend night, and we don't want to fast. And they go, okay, 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 okay. Just um, don't eat meat during Lent. No, no meat. Like, what, all meat? Like, oh, fucking, fuck, just beef. How about just beef? And they're like, I mean, every day. Like, fine, no, no beef on Fridays. And they're like, okay. And now still, they're like, I don't want to do that, but I'll figure something else out to give up on Lent. It's a fucking New Year's resolution for a month. We did that for Sober October with Tom Segura and that fucking dickwad, Burt Kreischer. Do you think Burt got so fat from eating dicks and drinking men's cum? Is that possible? I think he might have. By the way, I'm still banned from Twitter. It's not a temporary ban. It's a permanent ban. I will never be back on there. Guys, I think I'm happier off Twitter. I think I am. It's like I can't promote my shows as well. But like, what's a life worth? I mean, is there a difference between having enough money and having more than enough money? Is there a difference between having enough time and more than enough time? And which one's more valuable? I mean, I am happier not on Twitter. I, I, I know I don't, I'm not on there much when I'm out because of you know, my flip phone. And that's the reason for it. I could still tweet stuff here or there. But now I don't even think in, that, in those terms of stupid little jokes. Or like, it does suck that I can't shit on celebrities when they die. God, I hope Burt Kreischer dies soon. And then everyone will say, like, Ari, where's your tweet? Where's your funny Burt Kreischer tweet? I'm like, can't tweet because he's a thief. And he doesn't defend me to Twitter. He doesn't go on there and fucking defend his friends. All he does is steal from them and ruin good things. Um, yeah, but it's like, okay, so let's say I could sell out. I, in Denver, we sold out the storytelling show. And we added a show. Sold out five shows, added a show. So we made more money. And that, wait, was I, was I already off Twitter at that point? No, no, no. I was still, mm, yeah, I think I was. 
So we added a show, and it was difficult to promote it. But we managed, and it was fun. But like, then in in Philadelphia, we added a show, and I couldn't sell out the added show because no Twitter. So like, what am I supposed to do? I did like an Instagram story. Doesn't quite have the same reach as Twitter. People going, oh, Philadelphia, they you know show their friends. Hey, we're in Philadelphia. Not everybody watches the Instagram stories. So, but like, what's the problem really? I did one sixty on a fucking second show on Thursday instead of two fifty. I made a, you know a little bit less money. I'm still making more than enough money. Able to bring comedians I think are funny with me. Like, is it worth the extra time and joy in your life or, or sieve from the joy versus like the more money? I, I don't know. I think it might be. I mean, Kreischer is on that fucking Instagram nonstop. He doesn't even know his daughter's name anymore. He knows them as actress number one and young actress number two. That's not true, but I want my fucking records back. I can't believe you goddamn. I mean, I first one that you broke, I thought we was joking. And okay, I don't want to get into this. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, listen, okay, I've been reading this fucking thing. This is my fifth time I'm trying this intro. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Do you know what that means? That's like an algorithm thing. That means they go out and do their, they don't wait for the people to apply. I'm sure they do that too, but like they go out and find people. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And they go for, they even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. Jesus. So they go find people that should be applying for, to your job. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash skeptic. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash skeptic. They make me say it three times. ZipRecruiter.com slash skeptic. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Dude, that's the future of everything. If you just opt in to people reaching out for you and you have some shitty job and you just get a note, just bing through your email, like, you should apply for this job. And you're like, what? Like, your boss sucks. He's an asshole. Remember that? Remember that? Uh, that reminds me of that, that Michael Douglas like, sexual harassment video movie where it was um, roles reversed. Like maybe they couldn't sell it back then because it was like the 90s or something and they couldn't sell the idea. It was too harsh to like have a male like sexually harass a woman. So they're like, let's have a woman sexually. And, and the fucking chick who was married to the punked guy. God, she was hot. Demi Moore. She was so fucking hot and she was sexually harassing Michael Douglas. And then he fell to it, ripped off her underwear in that office scene. God damn, that was hot. I tried doing that for a while to women, ripping their underwear. They liked it. But then at some point it was like, all right, I need underwear. Stop ripping on my fucking underwear. And then one time I tried to rip underwear and it like sort of just like stretched but didn't tear. And it's, then the underwear is ruined and you don't even get the fucking full rip off. <sighs> I don't stand by it. Um, yeah, and he would get a, an email just came through a friend. It was a period friend. And he's like, who's, what's a friend? And it was like, you're being sexually harassed or I have the notes. And then the a friend turned out to be like Anita friend who was like his coworker. They couldn't fucking figure out what her email address was. That movie got 6.1 on Rotten Tomatoes, or five and a half on Rotten Tomatoes, something like that. But I thought it was better than that. 6.1 on IMDb out of 10, not out of 6.4. I thought it was a good movie. I was young. Um, 
You guys, speaking of the road and how much better it is, I don't have my Twitter to promote it. So I do a little bit with stuff on Instagram. I don't have Twitter to ask for Photoshops for podcast episodes. So I'm going to go on my stories and just quickly say what the episodes are. And then if you want to like submit a fucking Photoshop, you can um, through my contact at ariashafir.com or just, you know, or just actually you should just um, post it and then tag me on Instagram. And then I'll go fucking look through the tags. And I'll like them all so everybody can see them all, I guess. Used to be on Twitter, just a line. So people were like put in there and then everyone could be like, I like this one, don't like this one. Anyway, if you like it, I'll give you a little cash. Not much, but just a little bit. To pay for a dinner or something. 25 bucks. Um, keeping in mind, I pay the comics $100 to do three and a half hours of the podcast. The reason everyone's listening. I don't devalue artists. I just don't. I'm not making money off the fucking Photoshop for the podcast. Anyway, whatever. Um, Okay, so here's my dates. Salt Lake City. This is all starting soon. Salt Lake City uh, with Ryan O'Neill, February 22nd and 23rd. Uh, We are doing Wise Guys. We're also going skiing before and after. Um, This nice young lady hooked us up with ski passes. I have my Epic Pass for Park City, but everywhere else we don't have. And uh, she hooked us up with ski passes for... Those days, we're going to ski before, we're going to ski after, we're going to ski during. There's, I've never skied Utah before, and I'm so fucking excited about it. So get tickets at arithegreat.com slash tour. Uh, right from there, Ryan and I are going, uh, Ryan's from uh, Danish and O'Neill, Ryan O'Neill. We're going to the Knitting Factory in Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho, Knitting Factory on February 28th. Then uh, Seattle on the 1st, sold out. Don't worry about that. Um Calusa Casino in Calusa, California, in NorCal, about an hour north of Sacramento, is uh, March 2nd. Vancouver, March 3rd for a, for a regular show. And then March 4th, uh, Ari Shafir's renamed storytelling show. I wonder if I should tell you the lineup or not. It's sold out. I think you can still get tickets if you get passes. I'm not going to tell you the lineup because it's pretty good. It's not amazing, but it's pretty good. Um, and then Edmonton. Uh, March 8th, 9th, 10th, or 9th, 10th, and 11th. I forget. Tickets are at arithegreat.com slash tour. Uh, I don't know what else. Oh, I just added Albany and Syracuse. March, I mean, super April 4th and 5th. Then I start Australia. Um, April 13th and 14th in Perth. 17th through 21st in Melbourne. Adelaide on the 26th. Ooh, I got to do something in between. Maybe Tasmania. Maybe Canberra. Uh, probably not shows, though. Uh, Sydney, the 28th and 29th. I'll be doing storytelling shows that we still have to add in Melbourne um, and Sydney. They want to do late-night shows at the fucking Comics Lounge. That's where I am, which I love the Comics Lounge. But late-night storytelling shows in Australia with you fucking degenerate drunks with people telling long-form shit. I just feel like that's inviting you fucking the bogans to act out i don't know if i can i trust you guys to fucking at a storytelling show that's late night to not be fucking blackout drunk brisbane may 1st and then uh i just added dc improv in june and uh cobbs in san francisco in june um you know and then edinburgh i got my room the fringe at the hive uh 6 p.m all august tell your friends 
Europe is coming in November and December. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's start the episode, shall we? Oh, so here's what I was wanted to ask about Salt Lake City, about Utah. I want to rent skis in one place and then keep taking them with us because we're going to go back every night to like an Airbnb and then we're just going to figure out with snow conditions where we should go. So is there any way to like rent skis in one spot and then return them in another in Utah? But like, is there any place like at all the, all the resorts? I guess tell me on Instagram. Um, and if you work at one of those places and want to hook us up, we would not be against it. Um, I'll trade you free tickets to a show. Somebody in, uh, in Vail hooked us up uh, with the uh, storytelling sh- crew. Um, hooked us up with free, um, <laughs> free uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, ski rentals in exchange for uh, 12 packs of Budweiser. And Azizi and Simone came in with 12 packs and just like, we're here for our skis, please. <laughs> it was great. Oh, I love a good trade. The best is Jim Painter. Jim Painter used to just get gum. He was supposed to pass out gum as his job. And he just took like a, like a garbage bag of gum, a garbage bag. And he would just take it straight to the movie theater and say, trade you unlimited gum for free movie tickets. And they'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> there was the worst employee of the comedy store. He should have been fired if not for that gum. He brought in there too. Don't fire me. Here's 20,000 pieces of free gum. I'm like, yeah, Jim's, Jim's pretty good to have around. Um, all right, ladies and gentlemen, let's start the episode. I was going to tell you a story uh, about my own uh, journalism degree. I was going uh, to be a, maybe be a journalism major in college, and then I decided not to when I was um, – kicked out of the journalism department i was gonna tell you that story and now i realize i'm gonna save it for a fucking storytelling show why would i do it here in front of far more people that's why ari idiot um what do other comics do do they do like stories on their podcasts and then record those stories later like in almost the same form anyway um let's start the episode ladies and gentlemen chloe hilliard came in oh i didn't even mention any of this chloe hilliard is a comic in New York, um, who was a, used to be a journalist at the Village Voice. Did I not say this? I should have said it. Maybe I'll say it. I think I said it in the beginning. No, I guess I did not. Chloe Hilliard, comic in New York. Um, she used to write for the Village Voice uh, before there was you know, downsizing, large-scale downsizing. She, print newspaper is not what it used. Village Voice is one of those fucking legit stand-for-the-people uh, publications that was like on the side of truth they're still out there but they have shrunk considerably um and so she came over to my apartment we talked about well lots of stuff first 45 minutes is like solidly on like other things and then we move into journalism but interesting conversation the whole time i mean we went long because we were having a good time so ladies and gentlemen are you should fear skeptic tank um by the way chloe has her own podcast you should follow uh, subscribe if you enjoy her. If you enjoy any of my guests, a lot of times they'll have their own podcast. The way you can find that out is if you happen to be on iPhone or iPad and you're listening to this on the Laughable app, uh, it'll show right at the bottom. Um, if you're listening right now, it'll show Chloe's um, podcast right there at the bottom. You can just click subscribe right there while you're still listening to this one. You don't have to click off it. Just right on here. Um, so, yeah. Follow her on on, uh, Instagram and Twitter, Chloe underscore Hilliard. 
Let her know what you if you like her. Do not let her know if you fucking hate her. Some people are fucking morons. God damn. I'm, I am glad to get off Twitter for that. And for the positivity, too. Where they're like, good job. And you start thinking like, yeah, I'm, I'm a great comic. And then you're like, dude, you still got work to do. You're going to fall in the same fucking hole that Chris Rock fell into. I don't know. Was that special good? Who knows? But before this, regardless of that one, it's like you're going to fall in that same hole that all these great guys fell into. Where they start believing all the hype on them. And then they don't stop working hard. Because you keep hearing all this goddamn hype. You stop fucking struggling. Struggles where you grow. Do bad rooms. That's what the lady who's promoting me and Kylie in um, Australia used to tell me. She was dead right. Do bad rooms. Most growth. Twitter, everybody telling you how great you are. How's that helping you? Stroking your ego. Ladies and gentlemen, Ari Shapiro Skeptic Tank, episode 315. Fake news with Chloe Hilliard. All about journalism starts now. What's the City, Boise. I got this in order in my head. Salt Lake City, Boise, um, Seattle, NorCal, Vancouver, Edmonton, and then I'm back. Should be cool. I don't know. I'm going to do a bunch of skiing. You ski? I haven't. Are we recording? I haven't skied yeah, in sure. a minute. Really? I used to ski in, when I was a kid because uh, my, my pam- parents and my aunt were aspiring bougie blacks. Yeah, and so they they, make it. They uh, no, Um, they uh, so they had like a timeshare in the Poconos where we would go and ski in the Poconos. Really? Mm -hmm. How's the skiing out there? I mean, it was great. Yeah. I mean, now it's like the Poconos is a a shit show right now because a lot of lower uh, lower class people from New York City moved out there with the hopes of getting like a big house. Yeah. And then the economy, and then all the white people like we don't want to stay here. Black people are moving, we're out. So it's like. Gangs and crime and shit. And the Pocono. Poconos? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that was always the place, like, the yeah. vacation homes. Yeah. Really? All those timeshares, like, bottomed out. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't trade your timeshare in Poconos now. Nobody wants to go to the Poconos. Really? Yeah. 
that's the craziest thing. Every once in a while, you see something about like racism, like Muslim stuff or black stuff, and you're like, no, it's crazy. That's terrible. And then you're like, oh, no, it is affecting your your property values. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess. And the thing about it is, is like when, see, the thing is, people get like all in their feelings about the obvious thing, but then they don't really deep, dig deeper into the why. And Uh like, you know, being a journal, like a former journalist, I don't, I, I still say former journalist, but. I'm always about the why. It's like, okay, so why are people coming here and destroying their community? Yeah, those are good questions to ask. To yeah, go like, yeah. So, but then you have to realize that that is a, like a deep psychological issue because if you have come from a place of being owned as property, yeah. you've never been taught to value property, and when you do value property. At the time, you know, the KKK or whatever, just come and burn your house down. So it's like, why the fuck do I give a fuck about this house? You're about to burn it down. So that's systemic, you mean, in the community? It's very systemic. I think think, nobody teaches them to be like, we respect us. I think that, I think that, you know, okay, so for example, if a young kid, if a young black kid is walking around with Jordans on because he loves them, and then somebody's like, why you got those fucking Jordans? You should be using your money better. You know, so it's always (sighs) society or somebody is always commenting on what you should, like rappers, why do, like, you know, see white people, oh, why do they have so much gold on? And it's the cars. So it's like, so you're constantly attacking people who want to have appreciation for something and then make somebody like. don't have a class yet. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, if we saw Beverly Hillbillies, we'd be like, you guys, it's new money. You guys have no idea how to do uh, yeah. this. And then they see rappers like that. You're like, what mm-hmm. are you guys doing? Why yeah. a purple suit? Yeah, why like, a purple suit? suit though, oh, right? Yeah, I don't they're, like they're just seeing suit. suit. Yeah, I'd be like, I don't like him. He's too flashy. He's too flashy. And it's yeah. like, why? Because he has millions of dollars and he sh- she should not be allowed to enjoy it. Yeah. That's the thing Russell Peters always did. I saw him like driving away from the comedy store in a new, new car. Mm-hmm. And it was like matte black, which mm-hmm. is like no paint. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's like an unfinished. Which is like, I, first of all, if you get your car matte finished, you better hope that you've never pissed anybody off because that's the most easiest car to key. Oh yeah, dude, I almost keyed a car yesterday. I was like crossing, <laughs> and some guy was turning left, and I kept crossing. But mm-hmm. I had the like the the white, you know, cross yeah. sign, and he kept moving, and I was like right next to his face, and I was like thinking, like just pull out my key and just show it to him, <laughs> you know, as a suburban, like, <laughs> but like I didn't do it. Um, yeah, you're right. My dad taught me like I remember missing a a, a haircut appointment. 10 bucks or 12 yeah. bucks something like that and then going uh, he goes what happened to your haircut and I was like ah oh, I didn't I just got busy after school and he goes well, did you call Fred and I was like no I just didn't go he's like no 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 like I made an appointment for you mm-hmm. he goes go pay him out of your own money now go give him 12 bucks and I was like why and he was like because he fucking could have taken another client yeah that's the kind of thing that my community taught me. Of like, course, respect, instead of like the other way, where you're yeah, like, well, you got systemic. Oh yeah, the yeah, but in the you know in the black. I mean, I don't speak for all all black people because no, no. within within black culture, I am kind of a no, an anomaly. Yeah. My my parents have been married for forty years. I went to NYU. My brother goes to Yale. My grandparents were married for sixty one years. My Damn. my dad's that's my mom's parents married for sixty one years until my grandfather passed away two years ago at ninety one. My grandmother's eighty seven. My other my dad's parents they were you know married and they both deceased so like i don't like i don't have firsthand experience with like the crack epidemic or alcoholism or abuse like all like in my nuclear family we didn't have that so i don't really i can't really speak to you know the downtrodden negro experience in america that people love to you know perpetuate all the time but i do think that there is something where where we have to 
police ourselves, you know? Mm. And so a lot of times is that, you know, you will, you will undermine your success or, you know, devalue something so that someone else can't come and steal it from you. Do you understand what I'm saying? No, say it again. Like if you have, like if you want to be proud of something in the black community, someone's always ready to jump out and be like, give me that shit. Why do you have it? You ain't worth it. You ain't shit. You know what I'm saying? Is that like eat at you mentality and it's because if you come from a place of being a have not you so don't you, have so then you push up stuff that has no value like so cool i got this yeah like, like this is awful food or whatever mm-hmm. you, you you find the joy in the things that are more commonly acceptable unstealable yeah no one would want to mm-hmm. yeah oh do you see with that kind of upbringing do you see like the black experience when you hear about it in, in media as like an outsider um, no, I definitely, I definitely understand it, but you know what it is? It was certain things that I didn't really get. Like I didn't get why black people love Jordan so much. Yeah. Why do they love Jordan so much? Because, it's an, because, because, and it goes down to the deeper why it is a chance to become, um, to have some value. It is a chance to say, this is, this is my Mercedes. Shoes. This is my, yeah, this yeah. is my BMW. This is my, you know, it gives you status. And yeah. so when you are, you know, when you're in the weeds, any little thing can raise you up. And so now when I see it as God, I have to, so that's one part. One part is being able to um, have a part of, you know, the American dream as far as like, you know, wealth like and phones prosper. are like that now. Yeah, phones are like that. Like, like for kids. All these for t- poor people are like, why do you, you work at Walmart? How do you have a phones. fucking $700 phone? Yep. So it's like, so those are easy, attainable things. So cell phones, shoes, things that are status symbols, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I remember when I was in college, I took this course, like my favorite course was about um, conspicuous consumption. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like the, flashiness. Yeah, the things that you do, you have your outer self and your inner self. The things that you do, even though like your house can be a fucking mess, or when you step outside, you got on Jordans and four hundred dollars, four hundred seven hundred dollar phone. So people give you a certain amount of respect. Oh wow! And then also that's one aspect, and the other aspect of it is culturally, you know, society responds to you better when they see markers of wealth. You that's know, everybody. Yeah. that's everybody. Yeah. So, so, but just for, you know, but, but taste wise, you know, in the black community, it's like sneakers and phones and cars or jackets or jewelry. But, you know, if you translate that to somebody else, it's a mink coat. It's a, you know, it's a new haircut. It's something big. I remember there was an agent or manager when we were starting in LA who was mm-hmm. like starting and he had some shitty beat up Honda and people were like, dude, you can't be a manager with that, with that Honda. And he's like, what's the difference? I don't have enough money yet. I'm working hard for my clients. They're like, it looks shitty, dude. Yeah. It looks like you don't have any like know how. Yeah. It's weird how we see that in others too. Yeah, it's like it's like women breast implants and booty implants uh-huh. and you know blonde extensions. hair. Yeah, extensions, yeah. all that stuff. If you stripped it all away, would we be happy? I dated a girl and she would always shit on people with fake boobs. She was short. She was like five feet, five foot one, and uh, and she was like, "That's fake." And I'm like, "You wear fake eyelashes, ex- hair extensions, mm-hmm. and platform shoes." Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? But but the Which levels to it. Else's thing. Yeah, because it's like there's temporary oh, right, right, advancement right. and then it's permanent advancement. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a, there's a level of dedication you have to have to get breast to go under surgery. <laughs> I've thought about plastic surgery, but not like I've thought about like getting like oh. liposuction or something like that. Botox is like an easy one people do. That's just quick, right? Yeah, but I'm black. I don't need Botox. Oh right, right, right. Do you know how old I am? I look amazing for my age. I assume you're 19. Yeah, I know. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? 37. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
but yeah, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't do. I would get. I would get like my tummy tum. But I'm so. I'm so paranoid that I feel like the day that I like go and have surgery, get liposuction, like a war or a zombie apocalypse is gonna spring out, and then I won't be able to run because you'll be all cut up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, that's a valid uh, worry for sure. I know, right? <laughs> no. Um, uh, well, was I just going to tell you something? Fuck. I forgot. Oh, my friend uh, Darren, he was the son of a Jamaican ambassador. And he was here in college because the ambassador was yeah. here. And he was like, he saw the black experience as like an outsider. Yeah. You know? Because he was like, so he got to be like firsthand going like, I- I'm just coming into this now at 18. Mm-hmm. You know, where he's like, I wasn't raised with it. So he goes... He was like, I saw a lot of racism, but I saw a lot of belly aching too. Yeah. Where it was like, that's not a racist thing. You can't just say everything is, <laughs> you know? Yeah, sure. I think you have to be mindful of it. I mean, I have I have friends who are from Africa, Nigerian, and, and it's like the best experience for me as an African-American is to go to a black country. Yeah. Because because it it does make you really think. Like, I went to Cuba. It was like life-changing. I went to Cuba. Yeah. And... And and this is so so funny and sad at the same time. There, for some reason, well, a clear reason, African Americans love going to Cuba. Like really? once it was allowed for us to go, how long did you go for? I went for eight days. Damn, good. Yeah, good. it was a good. It was a good New Year's. It was great New Year's celebration. Um, like the Godfather. Yeah, <laughs> is that a New Year's thing when he kissed his brother and said goodbye for no, the second to last time? No. What no, was that celebration? I have no idea. Okay. Oh, uh, and Cuba for uh, New Year's they throw buckets of water out to get to cleanse out the bad spirits and so the tourists are in the street and they tell you like don't stand in the middle of the street they're gonna throw water on you and they're like the white people like no they're not no they're not and i was like up against the wall and next thing you know you hear agua and it just (laughs) somebody got their phone wet and everything you know but um but they're very welcoming people and you see how they are living in an oppressed country clearly um they've had the spirit political spirit beaten out of them yeah. or killed out of them you know so they're at a place now where they have been conditioned it's like 60 some odd years that they've been under they the communist broken. rule they're they're broken but they find the joy in every little thing and so when you sit here and you complain about it you just have to make it like relatable it's like yes i understand that this country's fucked and that you know black people get killed up by the police and all this other shit it's it's depressing however you took someone to kenya and they're like what's your problem yeah yeah yeah. 48 deaths a year that's nothing. oh my god yeah. i was given i gave my clothes i gave my clothes away like i gave my clothes really? away because they don't have like they just don't have Dude, this is one of my favorite things is going through southeast asia and seeing like you go to like thrift stores or something like that or just like markets like just loose yeah. clothes and stuff like three dollars or whatever and you'll find some like sweet shit yeah from like tourists who are just like I, I, I don't need this anymore it's hot now and like you see regular people wearing stuff and you're like what is that a original guns and roses mm-hmm. tour sweatshirt mm-hmm. yeah and they're just like in their mind they're just like good quality right yeah and you're like yeah. oh no i'm, I'm talking just, about the design they're just the- like chopping fish heads off yeah don't give a fuck yeah. yeah exactly so yeah they just don't have and so because these uh there's a large um like demographic of black people who do travel groups now. So it's like travel noir and like all these other like soul society and they go all over, they do these group trips and go to all these great countries. And you would see groups of black people in Cuba and without fail. And I went by myself. There's I just black Cubans, right? Well, that's the thing. They don't, they're, they're Cubans. They're not 
they don't break themselves down by race because it's a nationalistic society. So mm-hmm. it's Cuba first. It's mm-hmm. Cuba and before everything else. So it's interracial dating and shit. Like it's not. Normal? It's not even interracial. It's like light skin and dark skin to them. It's not like oh. there's no white and black. It's like you're like you're light skin and I'm darker skin. But they're not because. And so the interesting thing about Cuba. So I'm walking around and you know just navigating by myself, which is the best way to travel. Um, and you see a group of people and you would hear a black person go to a dark skinned Cuban and be like, so like, how do you deal with the racism here? Yeah. Like, how do you feel being like an Afro Cuban? <laughs> Sounds like get out. And then, and then, and then the Cubans would be like, what are you talking, what are you talking about? It really does sound like get out. How do you feel the African American experience? He's like, what? What Who's are you talking Yeah. So, and so I realized at that moment, I said, wow, we really have a lot of baggage. Like African Americans have a lot of baggage, rightfully so, but you can't expect any person of color in another part of the world to have that same understanding. So speaking about your friend who, was the son of the ambassador it's like they have no context right. if you grow up in an all black or all dark skin or, or all you know people of color society you're not thinking the white man is out to get me and then we come here spending our dollars they're looking at us like you're american what are you talking about you're american you have money get the fuck out of my face yeah like there's no problems you have no problems like we eat shitty food like their food is terrible in cuba really they get they get egg and bread rations from the government. So once like once a month, you just see it was like egg day. You just see everybody walking around with like four dozen eggs that they get from the government. They have coupons for bread. The bread store is open twenty four hours. There's a guy just baking bread because that's his job from the government. Yeah, like their the fruits and vegetables. The vegetables are carrots, like carrots, tomato, onion. Like that's you know. So like and and I, and you know it's a it's a it's tough poor to complain about country. your own shit there when you're like oh it's everything's worse here. Everything's worse here, but they're still but also happy. happy. Yeah, 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 so it's like, you know, a part of me was like, damn, I wish that I could, I need to be simplify. more appreciative. Definitely simplify. Absolutely simplify. So like wherever I move next, I'm just like, I'm throwing away all my shit. I just don't want. I want to get rid of a bunch of clothes. I just really go to my closet and just like fucking dump all of it. Yeah. I feel like you get by with a backpack for whatever. Just that many things. Like, you what really, do you really need? You don't. We just get comfortable and thinking that we need. It. Well, because of the judgment. It's like if you wore the same T-shirt every single day on stage, people are like, what is he going through? But it's like, yeah, it's like until the clothes have worn through, mm-hmm. then it's like they're still good. I was like for like a ski outfit. I was like, I need a new ski outfit. It's been the other one I've had for like four or five years. And you're like, then I had to stop. Like, why? Yeah, it still works. How often do you ski? Yeah, and it's not like it's even a fashion thing. You're up there with fucking. Fa- Nobody even knows it's you. Nobody knows. So like. What, what's wrong with us? Well, it's the part of the American dream. I guess so. Just to spend money. To, to spend, part of the well, economy. Yeah, because you become numb. You become yeah. numb to all the fuckery because you have a credit card. The worst thing that happened to an American people was the credit card system. They got them early in college, too. They make oh. you, they give you one of those, uh, those, uh, um, student animal house t-shirts you know for free you're like hell yeah like yeah ruin your credit for forever (laughs) you get this free t-shirt when i got to the college uh i got a discover card which is the fucking worst yeah the worst interest rates ever i mean the shit was maybe like seven hundred dollars you're like i was like seven hundred dollars fuck yeah seven hundred dollars i paid off that seven hundred dollars for like five years so ridiculous so yeah, credit was the, and now and now like it's annoying because now all of these stores are like no um no no cash anymore. Like have you seen that you walk into a place and they're like, "Oh, sorry, we don't take cash anymore." And I'm like, "Well, then everything is fake. None of this shit is real. 
everything is fake. The, the, like money is now a faith-based system. Yeah, and then you get some immigrants who are like, oh, can you pay cash? You're like, no, man, nobody has any more. Yeah. The rest of you guys, fucking clerks have fucking ruled it out. I hate, I hate the fact that we're cashless now. Like, um, what's the name? Sweet Greens is cashless. Sweet Greens, you can't even, really? Yeah. Cashless. Cashless. I remember on planes, it used to be like cash only, and then they were like, oh, no cash. Yeah. It's way easier. Yeah. I, I like the fact to have money and to be able to get like little, I don't want to charge my card for a bottle of water. Why though? What do you mean? Why? What's the difference? Well, to me, it's like, it's just, it's less intrusive, I think. But now everything is about credit. I don't like change. I wish they could just throw your change onto a credit card. I dated a guy once who um, literally threw change in the garbage. Like we wow. went, we went and got something to eat and he gave him coins back and he literally like chucked it with anger in a garbage can. And I was like, I can't, I can't date you. Wow. You're a masochist. <laughs> Silver or just copper? Both. Like he was like, I don't like change. And, and I was like, nigga, you work at the airport. I've thrown pennies away before. No. Just on the, not in the trash can, but just on the street, or I'll leave them out for a homeless guy, but you can find it. But like two cents, I'm like, this is just going to weigh me down. I can't do shit with it. <laughs> two cents is not going to weigh you down. It's like, I don't want to, it's going to jangle, jangle. It's going to attract the wrong crowd. <laughs> Silver, I'll keep. I was one of my biggest like moments of like freedom. Like, I don't want these two pennies and just throw them oh and, like, change, and just watch them roll down the street. <laughs> Terrible. I had a friend who just gave me all his change. In college, he's rich. He's rich parents. He was just like change. I'm like, yep, thank you. And I'm just oh, like yeah. always grabbing. No matter how, it oh, could yeah. be 97 cents, and I'd be grabbing it. I still have. I have like two buckets of change in my apartment. I just have to go to like a coin star machine and just dump them in. That's like that's when I know shit is really bad. When I actually be like, it's time to go get this change. Change. Coin star takes a percentage. When it's really bad, is you just go to the bank. And be like, can I have those rolls, please? Oh <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll but then I gotta like order the thing to roll them up. That used to be fun as a kid, rolling mm-hmm. up coins. And you fill up a whole thing like quarters. That's ten dollars. Yeah, heavy as fuck. Yeah, but you felt good. And you always thought like putting your hand to punch somebody. <laughs> Maybe it's the boy thing. Yes, I never thought about that. Okay, we're fine. Did you have a lot of anger issues growing up? I think so until I hit like twenty eight, twenty nine, twenty eight. Yeah. Why were you angry? I don't know. When I started comedy, I was angry because I sucked. Mm. And I just, I was angry at the other sucky people who got ahead of me. But nobody told you that you were going to suck? I remember I, when I first decided to pursue comedy, I was old. I'm not old, but older. I started at 28, 29. Yeah. And I, because I was a journalist, I approached it like this is a project. And I did my research, yeah. and I looked things up, and then I, uh, oh, Damien, really? yeah, Damien Lemon uh-huh. used to work in media as well, so I kind of knew him, and so I was like, hey, I'll take you out to dinner. I want to ask you a couple questions. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I did. I took a stand-up comedy class. Yeah, I went all class. In. I could see. I don't, I wouldn't recommend it, but I could see. Like, uh, it's just an entryway. The questions thing. I always get. I saw Michael Chase shitting on that. He's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. There's no secrets. Just go. You know what it is. Get up. No, you don't. I mean, it's a completely different world. But you also got to realize I was I was an yeah, adult. Yeah, maybe you're right. I, I was an adult. I wasn't like 19, just, you know, fucking around going to open mics. Like, I didn't even understand what open mic was. So I was like, well, what do I need to do? And, you know, Damon, to his credit, was like, well, you're going to stink for about eight years. That's good. He, and so that's why I was like, nobody told you that. He was like, you're going to think you're not going to get, it's going to take good good 10 years for you to see anything. And in my mind, I was like, well, six yeah <laughs> six that'll be good in six give me six um and then i ended up getting last comic at three and a half and i was like okay maybe i'm okay oh really yeah but i think also is because a comedy as you know is about life experiences and if you don't have any fucking life to live that's the thing like every young 
white boy comic early on, mm-hmm. they all do jokes about not being able to get laid. Of course. And then it's like, yeah, I get it because you're 24, you don't know how to get laid. Mm-hmm. And then at 30, if you're still doing those jokes, like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You should learn how to take a girl out and fucking win her over. Or they're married and their wife is not fucking them. Well, right. Sure. Okay. That's that's like, all right. I get that. Also divorce. But like, yeah. I get that. But it's like everyone had that same. Actually, you're right. Every fucking male fucking married comic does mm-hmm. the same thing. We're not getting laid. Well, then fix that shit in your life. Yeah. Quit talking about Talk it and not, not internalizing else. it. Yeah. Because that's their escape. But you also know white men are very problematic right now. So. They have a lot. They have a lot of issues. Yeah. No, but like for real, I'm not just saying it as like a passive aggressive like black woman feminist. I'm saying that like what do you mean when you when you talk about like the psychological makeup of people, white men are fucked up because they just like you know when we talk about the issues in a black community or you know issues with LGBTQ acceptance, like all of that stuff is like psychologically white men have never been in a place where they've had to be introspective. Yeah. And they've gotten everything. So any little change throws their world apart which is why you have all these mass shooters when you think about like reject like white men can't handle rejection like well i think it's like it's like um you know how asians when they get to college they Mm -hmm. like excel because they've been studying for the last 12 years yeah and white guys get to college white people get to college and they're like i I don't know how to study yeah and they're like well you're gonna be way further behind because you don't have any experience with it and then they say fuck all niggas why they get here for free you're like nigga you didn't study yeah white guys it's (laughs) like it's like they didn't it's like I think it's the first time they're being attacked as a group. Yeah. You know, they're being like racist against, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, I didn't do that. I wasn't the fucking last 20 presidents. Yeah. I'm just some guy. Yeah. And then, so it's the first time we're like, yeah, this is how everybody takes it. You just get, you have to speak for your group. And it's like, we're like, that sucks. But also the, you know, the lack of industrial work in this country has also contributed to why white men are so miserable is because even if you weren't intellectually, you know, at the top of your class, you could still work really hard and be paid for working really hard. With your hands. Yeah, with your hands. Yeah. So now you don't have factory jobs. Now the coal miners upset. Like you don't have something to like now, you know, you would go and work a 12 hour day and feel accomplished and you would go home and your wife would be there with your 3.2 kids, with your meal and you would sit there, you had your good chair and your yeah. cold beer like you don't have that anymore that whole thing of like what is your purpose has been removed yeah. and now it's mexico's fault and it's immigrants fault and it's women's fault you know yeah. so they're like backed into a corner like a rabbit or dog. also they're just poor and they're just like i don't know it seems like the government somebody's doing something that's why when people are like everyone who voted for trump is racist i'm like you guys haven't been to middle america oh no people are poor and disillusioned they're like will yeah. somebody bring these coal mining jobs back and trump is like I'll bring coal back. And like, well, sweet. There's nothing to do with black and white. Yeah. I just want my fucking job yeah. back. But also, but also think about the entitlement in that statement, which is like, maybe coal is not it the business. It should go away. Yeah. It should go away. Like, how about, how the about. cotton gin is gone. Yeah. Like, how about you just, okay, maybe you don't bring the coal mining jobs like, but just make it that like junior college is free for us and we can learn a trade a different trade. Maybe we yeah. can learn how to make solar panels. Maybe we can learn how to do cleaning. Like there's still jobs that could be made, but the arrogance is like, no, I shouldn't have to learn a new trade after 50 years. And I get it because that is a hard well, realization. But like you, first of all, why Old would you people want, didn't want to learn how to use the iPhone? Yeah. But why would you want a job that's literally killing you? Yeah, I know. Like, did you see there's a picture of the guy who donated all this money to Trump and then Trump therefore was like, we'll bring, bring and he like owns one of the coal mining businesses fucking has an oxygen mask oxygen tank really? he has, <laughs> and I'm like really <laughs> dude you're dying yeah yeah <laughs> I think it's the first time I don't know as a white guy sometimes I feel like why are you guys attacking me 
I never did the rape. I know. Like, why, why do I'm the one? I it's know. like, and it's the same thing as like these black guys. Oh, of course. And then you're like, and then you like have a good, like Damien Lemon, but like, that's not me. Like, oh, you're, you're fine. That's not what I'm talking about you. <laughs> and like, well, then why are you using words that include me? Yeah, because it's easy. People are lazy. Yeah. yeah. But now. When you want to say Muslims, you're like, oh, you mean militant Muslims or extremist Extremists Muslims. Is, yeah. And you're like, well, I just shortened it. Like, well, if you shorten it, that means the rest of them, the 95% of them are, or whatever, are going to be like, well, that's not me. Yeah. But also the thing about it is like you said you t- before we started you said you're going on tour and like those places I've been to those places mm-hmm. and if you've never really experienced middle America Dayton Ohio you have no concept of the way they think yeah. and so I was I mean I do a lot of colleges I'm thankfully hopefully phasing out but <laughs> for the past four years <laughs> I've never done those oh it's, how are they um you know before before the uh presidential campaign it was fine. And then everybody got too woke. And then everybody got very, you know, militant in their views. Oh, Jesus. And then, like, you would drive, and you would drive, and I was starting to get, like, like anxiety, because I'm on the road by myself as a black woman, driving across country, and you see huge, massive Trump signs. And then then when you see that, it's like, oh, I know where I am. I know who I'm dealing with now, you know? And so, like, people would come up to me after my show, be like, you were really funny. Or, like, they would say one of my jokes back to me, but they would make it, like, really racist. You know, like, you know, we have jokes that are, like, tongue-in-cheek or sarcastic because we're making fun of the absurdity. They don't see that. They say, oh, yeah, you're right. They're right. They shouldn't be allowed. You're like, that was not my intent. It was, was, uh, DeRocha had a joke like that where his his uncle's too racist to get jokes. Mm -hmm. You're like, these Mexicans do that. I know, right? That is how they are. And And you're you're like, like, no, 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 it's a joke, man. And you're like, I'm retiring that joke. (laughs) (laughs) So that started happening and then I would be out to dinner, like I would go out to dinner by myself and then you hear like a table and people just be like, I just don't like her i think she's a bitch and you're you? like, no hillary clinton oh and yeah. then you're just like what like this is the dinner conversation one time i was at a place and it was three couples four three white guys three white women and then the, the women were talking and the men were talking i was sitting close to the men they were like what is she gonna do she's gonna make us have diversity meetings every week and i was like really that's why you don't like her because she's telling you to give a fuck about other people yeah so like when you hear that out loud you're just like i like my emotions i just couldn't handle being in those environments yeah i figured out a little bit you're talking about like asking the why mm-hmm. and then like somebody i don't know who pointed this out but like you talk about north carolina and the trans bathrooms and stuff yeah and you're like you guys got to care about this and and then you like look into it more and they're like we're a city of like 1700 we don't have any trans people here mm-hmm. you guys are telling us to change up things over stuff we've never, we've never even seen one yeah and you guys are just like we're evil like, I don't know, that fucking the next door neighbor's son just got killed in Afghanistan. We care more about that. I'm sorry. Yeah. But like, we don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so then you expect them to like be on your level, like New York City or LA, when it's like, it's just not the same experience. No, it's not their day to day life. Yeah. And you can't really fault them for that. But what happens is, is that, you know, the politicians who have an agenda yeah. convince these people to go along with them. And then everybody looks at the people like, why the fuck did you go along with this racist, oh, homophobic yeah politician who got paid by the Koch brothers to push this agenda yeah I and mean, you don't know that i mean it's the same thing with like brexit where they said like you know we can take that money we're giving to the eu and spend that on education um 
or was it the education or healthcare? I forget. But then they they won, and they're like, "Oh no, we're not. We can't." Speak. Like but you said, and the guy was like, "Whoever said that should not have said that." No, because that's why attention. the guy immediately quit after he's yeah. like, "And, and like, I'm retiring." And it's like, yeah, I, I would just lie. Well, that's why this, the same thing is happening here with all these politicians who are like, "I'm not gonna run for reelection. I'm gonna resign. I'm gonna retire and get a two million dollars a, a week course. job." Of course. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, the. So fucking crooked. That's what people liked about Trump. Like, are you going to fucking stop all this shit? You're going to, right? And he didn't, but like, he at least promised like he was going to. Yeah, but the thing is that his fan base is still his fan base. Yeah, I know. They still don't even realize it, which goes to show the lack of intellect that they have. Also, nobody wants to say they made a bad decision. No, white people don't want to say that they made a bad decision. Oh, really? Because black people like, yo, I fuck. Like, black people was like, I voted for Obama, but shit, I feel like I should have got more for my vote. You know what I mean? Like, they're Uh, like, I mean, you know, Diddy was a very vocal against uh, President Obama. So was uh, Cornel West and Tabitha Smiley. Like, there were people who spoke out and was like, I don't know. I think he is not on our side. But there's really not. The most innocent people in U.S. history. I know. And it was like, he's the best, isn't he? I'm like, ah, it depends if you're a fucking young. Yemeni girl was crazy and he's just like we just don't talk about it and then a week before he, he got out he goes hey we've changed our policy we're gonna now talk about drone strikes I'm like you just left it you just dumped it on the fucking same thing with the Keystone pipeline yeah. he was like we're gonna stop I'm like are there any plans to go anywhere else or are you just putting the bulldozers on hold for three weeks yeah until and the new I'm guy out. take over mm-hmm. and, and then as soon as he got in there but see, even with the Keystone Pipeline, it's like, you don't, like, how could you not even realize that this is going to be bad for your environment? Yeah. Like, like you're, like, it's you're, over. It's like, like, what I'm saying, like, your, your quest to have a job for what, 18 months to three years is greater than the long lasting effects on your kids and grandkids. It's like, get better jobs. Like, first of all, if any situation happens in this country and Native Americans are like, don't do that shit. I'm like, I'm, I agree with the Native Americans. Whatever <laughs> the, the fuck they say. They take it the worst. Like, whatever they say, I'm on their side. Like, they know. Like, the spirits speak to them directly. Like, this shit is going to be fucked up. Yeah. And lo and behold. I knew people that did fracking, mm. like, that worked in it. And they're yeah. like, there's no question we polluted. It wasn't even like, if we fucked up and hit a vein that was wrong and it leaked into the soil. It's like, just like the garbage we left behind or, yeah. or an occasional spilled barrel. Like, oh, fuck, fuck, pick it up. And it's like, that's just in the soil. Now. It's just like, there's no question it has a negative effect on Yeah, the, but you know the what the hard thing? Because I, speaking of the middle of the country, I was in North Dakota, North. Um, yeah. Willis, Williston and yeah. Minot, two, two oil mining towns. And they were oil mining towns decades ago, but then the technology, they weren't able to dig down and over. And so now they're able to dig down and over over to get more oil reserves mm-hmm. and so you had a small you know a town that was booming and then it decreased and then now kids like kids are making like thirty thousand dollars a day yeah everyone's making cash shit tons of money and like truck like like uh train loads of men are coming to the town to work because they know that they're going to get so much money um i was talking to one girl there and they're like we have to pay kids to go to college so that they don't go into the workforce so now all so like in calgary edmonton too yeah so the all the money. kids all the kids go to school for free they get paid stipends to go there so like just not go take those thirty thousand yeah, dollar month yeah jobs. but then the crime is up and like a woman was killed because a bunch of like drifters and town. like so there's like psychological and environmental issues that go along with it but these guys don't care because they're like i'm making a shit ton of money yeah yeah that's a thing some dave smith pointed out about the women's like the wage gap and stuff and she's like we need to make more money and goes uh, or men make more money and i don't know i've seen st- stuff both ways where it's like i really don't understand the the, the 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 stats and how to break them down wait men make the most and after men white women 
Yeah, that's the thing too. When and white then, women are like, it's so racist against us. And we're like, what? You have it really great. Yeah, I think it's like, like I'm paraphrasing, but I think it's like men make a, like a dollar for every dollar that men make women. Asians make more. White, white women make like 70 something. Cents. And then Asian women make after that. And then black women, then Hispanic yeah. women, and other. Um, but then somebody said it was like those 77, that just takes all people and puts all their jobs into a group. And then yeah. it says break it down where it's like they're social workers versus. Mm-hmm. But then they said like what they didn't break down is how many work deaths there are. Yeah. And that's like 50 to 1 on men. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, working on the coal is a fucking shitty job. You should get paid better for it. Of course. I think those those hard jobs, you definitely should get paid more. I mean, there's no reason why a guy who works in infrastructure should be making like less than a CEO of a fucking drug company. Like, to me, yeah. like, you you making millions of dollars and you don't do shit as a CEO of a drug company. Uh, those rich people, they ask them like, poor people should work harder. And it's like, you don't work hard. At all. You just took over a business from your dad. Yeah. What, but what do you it's do? So, Show up to work four days a week? I know, but the great thing about it is that it's it. this had to happen. This had to happen in this country. What? In order for us to move forward, we have to sit in our shit yeah. and people have to wake up because, I, you know, I believe in, you know, energy and law of attraction and all that you know goofy shit crystals and sage and i feel like this country's fucked up because we never once addressed the intent of this country like this country was created for capitalism people yeah, talk that's about the that's the thing Rich people, people talk people about make the pilgrims laws. you know but people talk about all the pilgrims get no they came over here to create a post to work and make money like right. it wasn't just here for religious freedom these came over here with an agenda to like yo let's go over there nobody's over there and they came here and it was native americans and they was like oh let's get them sick and they're gonna die and we're gonna take over <laughs> they didn't come to get them sick well they that did it was a, a byproduct of you know it was like expansion. save up the cold people let's yeah. make them sneeze on these people but also that's the thing like people when they think about like native americans they think you know when we're taught about thanksgiving they make it seem like it was like 10 indians it was like millions of indigenous people that lived in this country who were wiped away systematically through disease and violence and then you have people coming over here like the 12 colonies were here for business it wasn't like yeah i finally understood the problem with columbus day it's not like with like oh it was became it made a a, a, a holocaust for Indians or like mm. a, a genocide for for Native Americans I mean because it's not just that that one I'm like that wasn't intentional what do you want to do yeah. the problem is celebrating because we think Native Americans are full humans now so yeah. we're like celebrating the introduction of whites mm-hmm. in, into the society mm-hmm. yeah. that was already here already here so like what are we celebrating exactly a just takeover. some just some fucking Dutch an invasion. people we're yeah. take, and it, we're taking over we're taking over a corporate invasion <laughs> of a land that was already here and standing and so people don't understand us so when you think about it and you think about yeah well this country is really and that's what it's so interesting about like these Christian evangelicals because they they love to believe that they are like the new church chosen people yeah. like they're just waiting for jesus to come back because they, you know he's their lord and savior and he's going to save everything and like their way is the right way yeah but their religion the, the whole religious persecution of That's pilgrims just, they just want money too they just want money too oh my god my, my grandmother so see the fucking the church is great my grandmother's 87 and she watches christian tv all day long so and i'll be passing around and i'll hear it and they'll have commercials like if you want to leave part of your estate to pastor so-and-so you They're know you can do that yes for trips to heaven yes Catholicism's always been about that buying the fucking those straight ups to gods mm-hmm. 
instead of just like doing the right things for it. Well, I mean, you think just, about like, you just pay. the modern the modern Catholic Church was formed by the Medici family, which is a family of crooks and thieves. Really, the Medici family. I mean, why not use it to get ahead financially? Well, do you, are you familiar with uh-uh. the Medici? What so the Medici it? family, pretty much, they had like the most popes from their family. They created the bank in Rome, so they they managed the bank and the Catholic Church. They owned really? the most property. Yes, so Medici's they were based in Florence, Italy, and they kind of ruled religion in the banking system. Like our modern banking system comes from the Medici family. Well, go. So when you think about separation of church and state, they would apologize. Like the Pope was a politician back then. It was a political seat and a religious seat. So they controlled all of that. And that is, you know, how churches and governments have modeled themselves for like for millennia. So it's like, yeah, it's like the Ayatollah. And we're like, that's terrible and wrong. But it's like, that's just what, we did yeah i mean you look at what's going on now with um where is it, the family where they just arrested all of the people the princes was that is that the oh, du- yeah. dubai not dubai one of those dubai? one of those and you're A-U-E. like what's going on here I, i'm getting them all mixed up i don't know which one has like yeah, yeah, almost yeah. full slavery which one doesn't oh yeah that's why i don't go to dubai people like let's like black people like let's go to Dubai. i'm not fucking going to dubai we are a you prince kidding once me in one of those countries <laughs> sorry and uh, he was at a UFC, and everyone's like kissing up to him and stuff. And I was like, "Wait, this is the country that has slaves. This guy has slaves." Yeah. And I'm like, "Well, they take like Filipino people and take away their passports and don't let them leave yeah. until they work it off." I'm like, "Yeah, slaves. Yeah, they can be free in forty years." Yeah. I mean, you could, but haven't we agreed slavery is wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like what? Just because he has money, we're like, well, you know. No, yeah. because they try to say, well, they flew here on their own. Like, no, because you went there, you told them that you had a job and it was going to make a shit ton of money. Yeah. Who wouldn't take that job? Yeah. I mean, it's terrible. Like Dubai, at the, the ever see Taken? Yeah, that girl flew there on her own. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that doesn't mean she deserved it. <laughs> no, I get it. Like you know, so when you think about those things, it's like yeah, politics and religion has always mixed, which is why like this whole idea in America, like separation of church and state, was a crock of shit anyway. Yeah. You know, it was always the intention to at some point, you know, bring it back around, and maybe our forefathers weren't. I feel like I feel like the forefathers of this country really was not really fucking with like religion like that. I think they really were like saw the possible wrongs that might happen. Yeah, and that's why like this constitution can't be broken because people will try to take power yeah they're like we know we are like we have an urge to take money to give mm-hmm. up stuff so we're like we can't allow any of that shit yeah and now we're just like little it's like it's gone too far away it's terrible which is why i think you know white people are going to be really upset and they're going to realize that all the shit that they thought they were going to get they didn't get yeah. and then, then all the politicians are going to have some bullshit excuse and then people are going to get upset and then everybody like now you now that you have some politicians like cory booker was like i'm not going to take donations from biz like from lobbyists that are affiliated for for-profit organizations so like some politicians yeah. are trying to like well democrats are yeah you know i think we need to have like what is it where you can't no like no private like a public only funded elections should be each candidate gets 300 grand and be like do with it what you want yeah you know run with that Mm -hmm. you know like they do in other countries so you can't be like the richer ones have more fucking push into your brain than the poorer ones yeah, but I mean, how do you, but how can you sleep, like, how can you sleep at night? We just had a shooting here, 17 kids dead in Florida. Like, how can you sleep at night, you know, Marco Rubio, knowing that you took millions of dollars from the NRA? Like, yeah. like we're, like, psych- psychologically, and, and, and where are say, you? You know, it's terrible. It's like, yeah, but you know you're not, like, you're not, compl- like, it's like you have friends that are stand-ups, mm-hmm. and you see them at, like, you know, their 90th percentile. Yeah. You see them when they do well, and not when they do badly. When they do badly, like, oh, that guess that crowd sucked, or mm-hmm. like, whatever. But, like, you like to see the best in them. Yeah. But other people who just come in and be like, I just see that guy for his 50th percentile. Yeah. It's a, this is about how well he does. Mm-hmm. 
when you're taking much of money from people, you're, you're you would like them better. They're yeah. give, they're feeding you. Yeah. So you don't like fucking shit on them as much. I think it's. I think you know. I, I'm sure you can be like, well, hunting is fair. It's like, yeah, all right, but you're why you keep looking at hunting when it's like, oh god damn it! Somebody's calling you. No, it's my alarm. I gotta do this interview, like a 15 minute interview. Okay, you want to pause? Yeah, I guess so. Fuck. <laughs> All right, we got to talk about journalism, though. Okay. I don't know what we're doing. I mean, this is all fine, but okay. All right, hold on. I'll pause. You can eat more peanut butter and jelly. Thank you. Fuck you're eating. <laughs> all right, sorry, we're back. I didn't watch Glow. I don't know why they send you these fucking screeners when it's a Netflix show. It, it's so you know, weird. Like, everyone has Netflix. I know. Without but it's a good the show. for your like for promotional use only shit that comes up and takes oh, you out yeah. of it early on. Glow is a good series. I is liked it? it. Yeah. I try not to watch anything that has uh, women as the leads. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just now starting to accept like light-skinned Latino people in leads, mm. um, but that's about as far as I can go. Yeah, for uh, well, you know, they have Mark Maron in it, so there you go. There's okay. a man. Right. And he's, <laughs> and he's in a lot. He's in a, a lot of scenes for no reason. Is so. it? <laughs> How's the wrestling? Um, it's pretty good. They don't really focus that much on the wrestling. Well, it's good. about the story behind it. That was always the problem with uh, sketch comedy shows like not sketch comedy shows about sketch comedy like mm-hmm. 30 rock 30 rock didn't have that problem but the, the serious one studio 60 and sunset strip yes. where it's like the sketches you're showing just aren't funny because you guys aren't sketch writers yeah and you're not spending like all day right you're writing plot so then what you're actually showing of the thing that you're putting into is like mm-hmm. bad well that's even why it's like hard for me to watch shows about stand-up comedy yeah, like showtime show jokes i actually like that show what is it called though the one with jim I'm dying curry up here. yeah i'm dying up here i actually liked it only because culturally it, it's a t- it's a period show so yeah. it takes place in a time when you're just like wow that's really what it was like i mean for me being a comic to see like how hard well also they still pay the same amount in la clubs ten dollars a spot so <laughs> which is fucking bullshit yeah i'm trying to tell them now it's like comedy store times are different now you're always posting how you're sold out in three shows time to raise the rates yeah 10, and i'm like, like nothing crazy but 75 bucks on weekends, 25 bucks on weekdays. Yeah, like, but the reason why they don't want to do it is because they, it's the same thing you know about why? the show. Money. Well, not even about the money, but in the show, they feel like it's a privilege to be here and we're in LA Bullshit. and we're giving you a plaque. You know, because when you talk to it's comics, it's a privilege there, to be on the Tonight Show. You still got paid to do that. I know, but when they when you talk to people, even the comics, they're brainwashed. You're like, I well, know. you know, any night it could be an agent or a manager here, and any night you could be discovered. And I'm like, what the fuck you think this is? I know, Cinderella? but they were saying that shit at the comedy store when literally agents and managers, when you became an agent, they're like, should we go to the comedy store? And people go, no, no, we don't go there. There's yeah. no reason to go there. Like, so in those times, you're still like happy. I mean, it's good stage time, but that's my problem with UCB. They, that's, they still pull that shit there. Oh, yeah, you're they lucky to be here. Yeah, I know. Like, why am I lucky to be at some place you just built? But see, the thing, the difference with UCB versus the LA clubs is that UCB pulled that shit about four or five years ago and comics let them have it. Like, I know. It was they, a- ne- they didn't back down, though. They no. still refused to pay. You know what I tried to do? I was trying to be like, hey, so I do these storytelling shows and I, I just put the, the whole door up with comics. Mm-hmm. I take a sixth and the other five comics take a sixth. Yeah. Um, and then there's no extra money. Mm-hmm. If I have an agent setting it up, he takes 10% and then we split up six yeah. ways. Um, and they were like, no, we do $5 shows, we keep the door. I'm like, why would I go there and do that? I was like, well, how about this? Let's compromise. Let's do $20 tickets instead of five. You guys keep your five and I'll take the 15, 75% door deal and split that up with the comics. And they're like, we don't do that. Yeah, and you know what's crazy? When I was out in LA, um, I did a show at UCB and um, it's a massive, massive building. Four locations. Brand new fucking crispy yeah. queen. You could and eat like, off the floor. We can't get by if we pay comics. Like, you're getting by so much. Yeah. 
It's like it's when you walk in there, you're just like, am I in a Scientology building? Like this? Fuck the UCE, feels, man. They're the worst. You like went to that new cult. one on Franklin or what, yeah. not Franklin, whatever it is. The, the new one. Sunset. Yeah, like with two different. Entrances. I passed by it. I'm like, this is a, an estate. Yeah. But see, that's the thing is like people want to they, they want to make money off of everything. And the only reason why that UCB or like the L.A. clubs can do that is because they're making money off of people who feel like they don't have an advantage. Like if you work, if you are a part of the improv world, you need that. You need there's no you can't just do improv anywhere. You need to have that institution to support you. So you're going to cave into whatever it is. Whereas stand up, we can go to a laundromat and have a show and I give a fuck. Yeah. I know people who do stand up on a train like there was a time it was a little show on the L train you would just put up a speaker and you would do a set on the train like so because well, you're happy to be getting up yeah so that's fine for like newer comics mm-hmm. but not when there's a door you don't charge people the fucking ticket price to get on that train no it's you a don't. free show so let's split it up evenly yeah. zero and split you do up a love bucket and you share, yeah you share the money yeah. but you know when you, don't really, when you buy into the system you just play the rules yeah in LA we really had this mentality of like we don't get paid for stand up in town so when you come to New York and people have this like idea of like, well, that show doesn't pay. It's like, what? It's just, it's a bonus when they do pay. It took me a while to like. I was in LA for four months last fall and I probably made, I want to say, $120 doing stand-up. Yeah, that's about right. Which is, how, like, how do you survive? London people don't understand how New York people survive. They oh, get yeah. paid 200 pounds, 300 bucks a set. I know. For 20 minutes on a weekday. Yeah, but they're, and they're brand new doing 20 minutes. Exactly. Too. And it's like, if you get booked, you're making that money. And it's like, what? And they come here like $75 on a weekend. And you're I like, know. maybe I should go to the UK. Did you, did you do Edinburgh? I did. I'm doing going back this year. Yeah. Doing a whole run at the Hive. And maybe I should try it. 6 p.m. is too late for this year. No, I know, but. But you should year. try it. Yeah. It's the best. I mean,. If you talk to Che, he's not going to tell you nice things about it. But most American comics don't like it. Why is that? Um, I think most people go over there like Hannibal and Che and Kinane, and they already have a draw here and they expect the same thing there. Mm-hmm. But there is 1,500 comedians performing every night there. Mm-hmm. And you are not special. Wow. And every, even the big ones, like you got your hour a day where you're special and then 23 hours where nobody gives a shit about you. And even that, that hour, it's like you're not the biggest thing here. There's other things in town. Yeah. So when people go, it's a festival. Like they, it's it goes for so long. So people are like live there. Festival. Yeah. They yeah. live there. They work. They just I'm gonna check a show out tonight. It's not the city like doubles in size during that month. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, because it's performers coming or people who come performers, for the festival. people coming for it. Um, they so they rent out. It's a it's a college town. Mm-hmm. A lot of the venues are college things, and um, they rent out student housing for 11 months. You cannot get a 12 month. You must vacate for August <laughs> because they sell those apartments and rent it for five times the other oh. stuff, you know? Yeah. So it's just, a, it's, I mean, it's cash grab too, but like, it's just fun. And then you really, the joy in a comedian is you get to like run your hour mm-hmm. 25 nights in a row. Wow. You know, in front of comics, who people who don't really know you and like don't really have the same sensibilities as you. So you really have to see like how much is universal and like, yeah, it's just cool, man. It's just cool. I don't know. I, I'm like disappointed that Che and Kinane and Hannibal didn't like it more, and then mm. DeRosa. But then like Sean Patton loved it. Well, he's a he's a different kind of performer. Yeah, though. Michelle liked it, but she's like, I can't go back because it is like a lot less money than they're used to making too. My agent hates it. <laughs> hates it. He's like, just go for a week. I'm like, it's not a week, man. It's a month. Like some people go for a week. I'm like, not me. The thing is, I heard. Well, you know, I just got representation. 
Yeah. And they brought it up to me, and I was like, "Don't, don't you have to pay for everything? Like you pay for you pay for your. Fl- it's not like here where they like fly you out to a club and yeah. they like, put you up. They don't put you, you pay up. for your. You got to pay find for your housing. flight. You pay, pay for your like marketing team, which is like a bunch of people flyering. But like uh, Liz Mealy just did her own flyering. She was just out there in the rain, fucking hey, come see my show. Like mm-hmm. a lot of new people do. I can't. I mean, I don't want to do that. So it's just like you pay people. To do I it. can't do that. I tried barking, and I'm just not yeah. me. I'm six one black woman going up to somebody, like, hey guys, no, yep, sorry. yep. They're like, no, the red eye eye contact. <laughs> it's like when I hear uh, Meryl Streep say that she uh, never got casted in commercials because her face was just like, this is bullshit. Really? Like you know, her acting was like, come on now, too tied. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's She's me when it comes like, to like yeah, barking. I, I can't. I never successfully barked. Yeah, so you just hire them to do that. So you're like four or five grand of the hole, and then like after shows, you got to stand out their love bucket. But like even like the the England's version of Crystalia is out there with like, his love bucket. Mm. And she's like, if you guys like that, it's just the standard. So it's like, or you do paid fringe, and then you just lose money. Oh, okay. Michelle sold out. She did as well as she could have done. Mm-hmm. Sold out every single show, uh, and she added two shows. She got a couple of, like big people like, to tweet for and tell mm-hmm. like David O'Doherty and Jimmy Carr, and so she like started strong, and then the, like the Daily Show thing just kept her going. Yeah, and um, she made four grand over a month. Wow! Like you can't do any better than she did. Yeah, and she barely made money for the month. So it's like, if you're not doing that well, you're breaking even or losing money in the paid fringe. But the free fringe, you can make cash, and it's fun, cooler people, everyone's drinking all night. You drink? Not like that. Yeah, you would. I, I went one day without drinking. I don't like beer. Well, you can do fucking cider, the big cider okay. town, scotch. You can do mixed drinks, whatever the fuck you want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into it for next yeah. year. Okay. All right, let's get to journalism a little bit. Let's do it. So, when, so you quit journalism to start comedy? No, no, no. Um, I knew from early on that I wanted to be a journalist, um, like junior high school. One, really? I yeah. One, I was like socially awkward. I was a misfit, which is the name of my podcast, <laughs> Social Misfit. Um, nice. Yeah, um, and so I was the only child. At the time, I have a younger brother now, but I was the only child at the time. I lived in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, in a Hasidic Jewish neighborhood. Which one? Williamsburg. Oh, Williamsburg. That yeah. was all this. And which, which Hasidic? Um, Remember? Lubavitch? Is that Lubavitch there? Is what's that the Sotmer? two? No, I think. What's the two? It's the one with the, the fur hats, not the brimmed hats. Yeah, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Those are straight Hasidic, but yeah, like, yeah. there's different sects. No, yeah, like, I know. So like the bed um, No, it's not the Crown Heights one. It's the okay. other one. Um, yeah, because Lubavitch. It, so yeah, they which is like the tale of two sons, basically, right? It's just communities in Europe. Oh, I thought they were. I thought it was a split. I thought, no, it was hard. I grew up in the the Hasidic community where the rabbi had two sons and they was fighting over his territory. So one went up to like west, like. Oh, that could be. The the really yeah. And so it's like if you guys follow me here. The rest of you guys yeah, stay, stay here. Stay here. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah. So um, right there in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York, and um, and there weren't that many people of color in my community and so i ended up getting bussed to you know like a wealthy black community clinton hills for school and not like not like school bus bus but like i had to take two buses to another uh school district because there weren't that many school districts like public schools in my neighborhood and so i went from being like one of a handful of black kids in the all Hasidic Jewish neighborhood to being like the black kid who didn't know any black shit 
uh, culturally because I was the only child. So like my, I was like whatever my parents like. That was my my dad grew up in Indiana, so he loved Jimi Hendrix and like the Parliament Funkadelic. And my mom was like born again Christian, so we listened to Christian music and like Al Jarreau and Bobby McFerrin were like the extent of Bobby my secular. McFerrin. Yes, Jesus, I know his full catalog. Um, <laughs> he's bigger than Don't Worry Be Happy. I mean, that's all anybody really knows. <laughs> that's all anybody knows. So I just didn't know a lot of things, you know, and this is like the 80s in Brooklyn and it's hip hop is a big thing. And, you know, you got, you know, dyed flat tops and Adidas and rips in your jeans. And my mom was dressing me up like a little Jewish girl because the clothes were nice. Yeah. And so because I didn't have a lot of friends, I just wanted to you know, tell my own story. And then I was like, I'm going to write for people like me and I'm going to speak for the voiceless and, you know help people and edge you know entertain and educate i was you know so it's a nice thought i know it is a nice thought um and so then by junior high school there was a journalism class and i was like i think i really do like this like i think i can talk you know i can talk to people this way instead of doing it in person and so oh that's a good like separation huh yeah and so then high school i did uh like on the yearbook t staff and the school newspaper and when i was looking for colleges i was like i'm only applying to a school that has a journalism program and so i applied to i wanted to go to temple university of maryland i went to maryland because yeah university of maryland because at the time the national association of black journalists was housed at university of maryland so i was like i want to go there syracuse and then i ended up going to nyu kind of like as a fluke because i played basketball and when I was like a senior in high school, I was playing a game and this one girl I'll tell you six one. Six one. I played center, power forward center. And this one girl, I was guarding her and the coaches from NYU came to scout her, but I shut her down. So, and they're like, Oh Yeah, so it's like, Who's this? Amazon and then like they talked to my dad after the game. My dad come came to all my games and they talked to my dad and they my dad. I just see him talking to like two white women, which is like you don't see two white <laughs> women in like warm ups at a public high school game. Do those lifer high school people? I mean, uh, basketball people. They just yeah. look like they're basketball yeah, people. Yeah, they wear warm ups like it's normal. You just hear him swishing down the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he was. I saw him talking to these two white ladies, and he calls me over, and I'm like, "What, dad?" You know, like, and he's like, these are the coaches from NYU. And I was like, oh, hi. You know, and, and never in my mind, I thought I was going to go to NYU. Not because of academics. I just thought it was too expensive. Yeah. And, you know, they were like, well, we're interested in you and you're in student, you're an in-state student. So you'll get, you know, more money, blah, 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 blah. And then I applied. I got in and, you know, got some scholarships and some student loans. And you got to apply. You just got to apply. Yeah. Because it's Division three. Yeah. So you still got to apply and get in academically. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um. And so I got in and, you know, I got a really good deal. Like probably if it was like $30,000 a year, I probably put my family pay like 4000 a year. Yeah. It was very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's great. So, um, and so I studied journalism and I was like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to tell the stories for the voiceless. I'm going to break down the system. And is that what everybody wants to do? In journalism I, think, department? I think people, I think people who work in hard news. Yes. I think no, people, I mean in college. I'm talking about. Oh no! I was, I was in classes with girls who were like I want to work in a magazine and talk about shoes, oh, and okay, I was just like, okay. I hate you, you know. Yeah. Um, but I did enjoy it, and when I graduated college, I ended up at a women's magazine, which was like the fucking worst because I was like the one of two black women on the entire staff, and 
you just hear like waspy white women talk about like, all right, I'm, I scheduled my C-section for Tuesday and my nanny starts Wednesday and I'm going to come back here and do my beauty fashion thing. And you're just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, but that was their world. And I was like, I need something more hard hitting. And I ended up, you know, after some other jobs, I ended up at the Village Voice. I was a staff writer at the Village Voice. And that's when I got to do like my real investigative like work. And I felt very completed. You got a job at Village Voice right out of college? No, no, no. I was about 25. Okay. I, I had like a couple magazine jobs and I pitched a story to them. And based on that one story I wrote, they offered me a fellowship, which was a diversity fellowship. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, diversity was really big before Obama was president, which is I'm kind of like... I know those diversity showcases. Yeah. Everything everything was diversity until he became president, and everybody was like, well, what the fuck you need diversity for? We're done. Yeah, we're done. Yeah. Literally, we're done. Like, I, I, I used to do a joke about it. I was like, I grew up in the diversity decade from 1998 to 2008. To be a person of color was the shit in this country. You got scholarships. You got money. You got fellowships. Like, you got... Yeah, you got a yeah. lot of shit. And then once he became president, it was like, it worked. We're done. And yeah. so I did a diversity scholarship and they paid me like a stipend a month for like three months. And then they hired me. Um, and I just really enjoyed the work that I did. But culture is changing and people don't read. So I would I would literally spend like three months on an article and it'd be like 5,000 words, a cover story. Yeah. And then and then like, you know, two, three years later, it's like, we need you to write 20 blog posts uh, no yeah. longer than 300 words because people are like it's like, too much I can't invest this much time into reading something yeah because also yeah, those days of the fucking long article in like Sports Illustrated dead. like expose on Villanova yeah. with cocaine and stuff like that was like this is like 17 pages yeah They're like nah we couldn't do that no don't do that anymore and so very few magazines do that and very few publications do that I mean the New Yorker the Atlantic you know even Rolling Stone still has investigative pieces every Vanity Fair still has them so there's certain things that have been there forever but a lot of magazines are folded or they're not publishing anymore I mean, you know, paper just, is like yeah. forget it it's over it's over but even online too it's like I don't know I think the maybe I'm wrong but like it seems like the expectation online is a shorter read it is a shorter read, but I think that the people who want those long reads are seeking out those publications. So that's mm-hmm. why you have some, you know, BuzzFeed has long articles. I mean, they have their listicles and shit like that with charts and gifts, but they definitely do like investigative pieces. And okay. now you have to because all the shit that's going on in this country, you have to document the fuckery because no one else is going to pay attention to the details. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like I'm so torn on all this stuff. Because it's like, on one hand, it's like, go, you're taking care of some some shit. And then the other hand, it's like, you guys are going too far on some shit. You're just lumping <laughs> everyone into like, let's get rid of this problem. It's like, you yeah. haven't done any investigation on this. Mm-hmm. You just said, here's an accusation. Let's string him up. Here's yeah. a, th- you know, this guy's friend was in this. You see that lady of the New York Times? Oh, who got fired after one day? Yeah. Yeah, she was hired as an opinion writer and they realized that she was friends, quote unquote friends with some neo-Nazis and she got canned like yeah and they found an later. old old tweet because yeah some of my friends are fucking racist yeah but it's like they're like yeah the opinion that's like like let's get rid of anything it's the baby with the bathwater syndrome no and the thing is like even though you do that it doesn't change who the person is a, or you exactly. ca- or you capture a moment in time from like six seven years ago and they're not even that person anymore exactly so it would have been better for them to allow her to write an article about why she was and why it does because also, also it's not ago- her it's her friends so she's like what do you mean it's like yeah i don't agree with them yeah but it's like 
they're still my friends. Like, you shouldn't be friends with those people. Why? You can't be better friends with anybody else. It's like, it's so easy to sit there and judge. And when you mm-hmm. say, have it any written down in a blog or, you know, a yeah. po- it's like, yep, I get it. This guy's awful. Let's but also, if you're both white, right? If you're yeah. both white and one of you is a neo Nazi, that behavior does not interfere with your friendship at all. Like, there's no way of you knowing the limits of their neo-Nazism because they're right. not showing that to you. So you would never, if I, if if, oh, right. if you and I are friends and we're both white and you come over here, have brunch and you're my kid's godparent, I don't know that you hate niggas because yeah. never, it never comes it up. come up. Exactly. <laughs> and it's not like it's all you talk about. No. But in the reader's world, mm-hmm. that's the only thing about them. Yeah, like it's I It's not like, I oh, they you. watch my dog all the time. Yeah, no, yeah. like if in the reader's world, it's like, I helped you erect this cross. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, hey, exactly. help, help me build a cross on Sunday. It's crazy. Yeah, sure. She got fired from her her job. She got from her talent yeah. over something her friends not but, even did said. But now this this is the fork in the road. Either she embraces that shit and says, "I'm going in." What do you mean going in? Go like, hey, I'm going to just align myself with neo-Nazis. Exactly. That's what they've done is that their tactics aren't making people be yeah. more forward thinking. They're they're pushing people to double down. Yeah. I mean, and that's why, like, it's interesting because, you know, I love, like, superhero movies and all that stuff. And I don't understand how people can watch, like, Bane, mm-hmm. right? And not understand ISIS. It's the right. same fucking origin story. <laughs> yeah. You ki- we killed their dad. Yeah. We killed their dad. The kid was and there. Mad at you. And they're, I'm taking everybody out. Yeah. It's the same fucking thing. It no, like nobody is gonna see somebody. Nobody's gonna see their dad get killed. Like Batman didn't see their, his parents get killed. To be like, yeah, I'm gonna become a preacher. No, right, 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 right. I'm killing everybody. Yeah. So that was of course, a criminal. all criminals are up. Yeah. Yeah. So that, like that, like I don't understand how people want to like overcomplicate things. It's like, no, we went and we like we destroyed this person's existence. We ruined their peace, and now they want us dead. Yeah. Like this. Well, like how can you not understand that? So so you got this job. It's fucking rats. Can I call a fucking exterminator? They pissed the shit out of me. Well, you have the backyard. I know, but it's fucking... Why there's so many... There didn't used to be this many rats, Chloe. Because the season is changing. The weather's changing. They come out now. No, they never left. It's February. Yeah, but it's nice out. It's 46 degrees. I know, but they come... Ugh. They're out there in the snow trudging through it. There's all these tracks through the snow. Get out of there! Don't bring attention to them. Ugh, and I can't even open this goddamn door because I'm going to come in. Yeah, well, now they know where the door is because you just banged on it. I had a barbecue there and I fucking swept up the leaves in that little like walkway. Yeah. And there was a fucking rat carcass there. Oh. His maggots were living in it. Ugh. You live in New York City. Rats are a part of the Fuck off. mystique. No. Not in the backyard. Who doesn't like this the first year? I gotta well, you out. have to, first of all, what you have to do is you got to clean up all those leaves. Yeah. You got to sweep up all that shit, keep it clean so that they don't have any way to track. To what? Like, they follow their tracks. They follow, they leave scents so they know oh, really? where they go. Yeah. That's how they know where to go. So you have to, like, spray, like, clean up all that shit, spray it down. They also don't like the smell of, like, mint, peppermint, and stuff like that. So oh, there's, really? like, homeopathic. Um, I was thinking of getting repellent. a cat, just a, f- a friend's cat, just like. Go nuts for two days. Yeah, but I mean, these are rats. It's like a, a cat can't compete with a rat. Like a mouse in a house, yeah, but these are street rats. That cat's going to get fucked up. You think so? Hell yeah. Rats well, that would are... be interesting to watch. So you would sacrifice your friend's cat to 
bite a street rat? Good point. I couldn't do a friend's cat, but I could go to the ASPCA and get a cat. They do screenings like, hey, on you to hey, make you sure put, that you don't sacrifice could, the cat. I can like, I can say, I just want something in my life. I want to rescue this cat. <laughs> I just, and then just like, let's have bets. And then your cat is going to be a world star. I'll be like, well, it's yeah, yeah, set up some cameras and stuff, and like, go out there, go nuts, cat. No, I'm not a rat. All right, so you 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 started this job at the Village Voice. Yeah, so and were you fulfilled in terms of like being I was able to write fulfilled. these things? I did. So so just to like do the resume. So I graduated NYU. Um, then I got a job at Lifetime Magazine, a women's magazine. Lifetime, I yeah, remember but, that. Yeah, because yeah. at the time, oh, that's an Hearst, Ma- Hearst Magazines is a company, parent company. So Hearst Magazines own Oprah owns Oprah's channel. I mean Oprah's magazine, and so. They were like, well, what's another big cable network that we can create a magazine? So they decided Lifetime at the time was like network. the biggest basic cable network. So it, just, it didn't translate well because it's like, I, my, you know, I had my daughter's baby. Like shit like that was like Lifetime movies with the stories we did. We saw, we came out of the comedy store once and they had a Lifetime billboard across the street. Mm-hmm. And um, it was these like two like women detectives in front and then another woman detective in the back and then a dude detective in the back there you know mm-hmm. and it was just like they're just tough like go-getters yeah and it's like and he just looked at it with these like tough women detectives and he goes <laughs> lifetime is sci-fi for women oh gosh that's terrible <laughs> it is ridiculous yeah, yeah so yeah so i was there and then i did not like that experience because it was ridiculous and then i left there and then i went from there i went to the source magazine which was fun. Um, was it really? Well, I had interned there in college, so I knew the people, but it was a lot of turnover. And, you know, the two owners are like, you know, these larger than life personalities and a lot of like sex, drug and rock and roll mentality. And also at the time, like hip hop culture was making so much money. So it was kind of like the tail end of like the golden era of like big open bar parties. And you would walk out of there with like a free cell phone as like a grab bag i mean it was like what? the opulence was so nuts and like the source yeah source and like the, like the late 90s the 2000s it's just Damn. like record labels had so much fucking money. like you know like the rap videos are like a million plus dollars so yeah especially when you hear about like like whatever that jimmy iovino stuff mm-hmm. thing was where it's like oh we didn't pay the rappers they were just happy to be on this label yeah so they can make like live sales, I guess. But they're yeah, like, yeah. hey, how come you're, you just sold a million rec? Can I get like lunch? Yeah. And they're like, get out of here, Snoop. Yeah. Yep. Like, and so, right. yep. So then after, so then I went back there and I was there for a couple of years. And then when I left there, I was like, I want to work for like a reputable. Because <laughs> the thing is like, you could end up falling in the trap of like being like an urban journalist and just dealing with like hip hop music and stuff like that. And I knew yeah. that that's, I didn't want to be pitching hell. So I focused on working for a mainstream paper. And that's when I ended up at the Village Voice. And I enjoyed it. I loved it. The only reason I left the Village Voice is because recession hit. And the Village Voice at the time was a very like mom and pop paper. Like there were a lot of mom and pop stores that advertised. So once they started, stopped dropping their ads, instantly there was a change in the paper. Oh, it fuck. wasn't like, it, like people hit the people who worked in corporations, like the recession hit them maybe like a year later, but it was immediate because you're literally not getting ads from like the dry cleaners in the grocery store. Like, so, I mean, it had back pages, but that wasn't enough. And I remember every three weeks they were letting people off. And I was like, oh, like I, I found really? the rhythm and I was like, so I'm probably going to go. Cause I was only there maybe like two years. They were just downside. Did they change their corporate, um, like, uh, ideals? 
Well, the, at the time, they were bought by um, a parent company. Like, the Village Voice had been independent for a really long time, and they got bought by um, an alt-weekly paper. So it was alt-weeklies as, like, a weekly paper, not, you know, not like the Times or the Post. And they bought them, and then they, in, they implemented all this, like, corporate structure, which kind of was not a good fit for the Village Voice because you have, like, all these legendary characters who just did whatever the fuck they wanted to do right um and then you have like a hierarchy and corporate and markers and all that stuff and then like a year or two after that the recession hit and so they just started downsizing people so the day i got let go great thing about the voice is that we had a union so there was like of course i was on the union as a diversity chair (laughs) (laughs) um and they had day they called me into the editor-in-chief's office and my union rep was there and i was like i know what this is and then they're like, well, do you have it? My union rep is like, well, let them know how you feel. Because, you know, the, the spirit of the Village Voice is like, fuck the establishment, which is so weird because now they were owned by an establishment. So my union rep was, you know, a guy who had been there for like 40 years. And he was like, tell them how you feel. This is your moment. And I was like, it's an honor and a privilege. Like, I can't really fucking pitch a fit because I'm like 27. I've been here two years. I've had like eight cover stories. Like, I got laid off the same day as like Nat Hentoff, who had been there literally 50 years. Who's that? He was a prolific writer for the Village Voice. And like, he was so old school that he literally faxed in his article because he hand wrote it. And then like the assistant had to type it up. Really? Yeah. Like, wow. These are like some old stodgy people. Like, I, who am I? Who am yeah. I to complain about two years as a drop in a bucket? Um, and then I, from there, I just went on and had some other like editorial positions. And then when I was at my last job, my last job, I was at the uh, Vibe magazine. I was like the managing editor at Vibe. And I just started getting burnt out because that's when was, everything was about like, aggre- right. like you know, we call it aggregation. Like, you know, just take out somebody else's story and rewrite it for your site. And so you did that all day long. Did I see those stories? Oh, it what was so bad. What do you so think bad. of when you see the same like detail got wrong in like, like when TJ Miller mm-hmm. got like whatever. Yeah. Um, and then um, people like Comedy Central dropped his show. Um, and then every article said that Comedy Central dropped his show. And then you talk to Comedy Central and they're like, we canceled the show nine months ago yeah like that's it was nothing well, to do with this but since the first article mm-hmm. said this comedy said to drop the show the rest just read that article and read an article based on an article and not based on facts because a lot of these people who are, who have these jobs don't have like journalism skills so they don't even know just call comedy central and get a quote yeah like just hit the PR people. Just Google Comedy Central Corporate. Just send an email. Like even if you say at you know by the time of print, nobody from Comedy Central got back to us. That's something they don't even know to do that because you you have like maybe twenty minutes to get it out because everybody has to be first. Right, right, so the, right. So because so when I was at Vibe, it became the culture of first. Just get it up first. Just, we could fix it later. Just really? get it up first because you want to get the hits. So when I was at Vibe. That's when like social media and the internet really became a big factor. And then everything became about clicks and reads and SEO and coding and keywords. And so then I trained myself on all of that stuff, like on the job experience. And from there, I was like, okay, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like if this is what journalism is, like keywords and search engine terms, I don't want to do this. I want to write. Um, And then I was like, well, maybe it's time for me to transition to being in front of the camera because at least people will watch they may not read long form but they'll watch and so that's kind of how i got into comedy because i was like let me just take a stand-up class so i can transition to being like on-air talent or like on-air interviewer um and then i just kind of fell in love with comedy because i was like i get to say whatever the fuck i want to say and i don't have to like deal with dumb people 
Well, you do, but it must be, you know, well, yeah. But you then can you can just like them. yell at them. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> They're not your boss. They yeah. don't get to tell you what to do. No, it's my favorite at the stand when people go up and complain about me, and then the who, like Emily or whoever, just like laughing. Like I, I don't. We're not going to do anything to him. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, if you want to vent, you can keep venting, but like this isn't going to go anywhere. <laughs> no. Because people want to have this, they have this sense of power. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to fuck up your day. And in comedy, you're like, no. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, unless you're like on the grand scale. But even like people got mad at Tracy Morgan for saying something about if he had a gay son. And now he got his own show again. Like, yep. the thing about comedy, like Louis C.K., he'll be back yep. with a special that he's going to release on his website and make a shit ton of money. And he'll go back on tour and he'll sell out. You just have to take a time out. Comedy is like, take a time out so people forget the shit and then come back. That's like everything. Like Winona Ryder was shoplifting and like anything else. Yeah. But Just she sat out for a while though. I think comedy. you Acting is harder because like I know a lot of actors like I'd like to take like a year break. But then mm-hmm. like but what if I'm not relevant anymore? Like they feel like they have to keep working so that they can keep working. Mm. Because really if you take a year or two off people are like we forgot about you. You're not the yeah, A-list so person anymore. There's so many bodies. Exactly. And they're all worthless. There's like 12 <laughs> good actors and actresses. So then they're like you, you know you're lucky to be here. You have no real talent. Yeah. So, like, why do we need you over Taya Leone or fucking anyone? Taya Leone is not working. Exactly. (laughs) But, like, we can just get anybody. We can get some new hot chick that just graduated from whatever. They all look the same. Yeah, they all look the same. They all look the same. That chick who was in uh, I, Tanya, was she in that? She looks just like Jamie Presley. Was she in that Scorsese movie? She does look like Jamie Presley. She looks just like Jamie Presley. Exactly. Yeah, I thought it was her for a while too. Yeah, and then you're like, oh, where'd she come from? Like, just some hot chick. They just propped her up, and now she's like, now she's a name. So now they need her. Yeah, she was in Suicide Squad. That's the only yeah, thing I yeah. remember. Her I, from. I was so sure it was Jamie Presley in Suicide Squad. I know. Right? I was like, look at Jamie killing it. Yeah. But you know, but Jamie has to look at it like she looks just like me. Yeah, and it's like without the wrinkles, though, lady. Sorry, <laughs> my name is Earl. It was 15 yeah. years ago. I know, damn, it's a long time ago. But yeah, like the you know, I think when it comes to journalism, I do, I do miss it. I do wish especially now that I was kind of like in the trend. Like I like newsroom on HBO. I felt like that was a real accurate. Mm-hmm. Really? More, more. Yeah. A lot. Of, I mean, see journalism has been like sensationalized. Like the fact that Carrie Bradshaw was like a writer, you know, in sex in the city and all of these like young girls are like, I want to be a writer. Like, like that shit isn't real. She was like a columnist. I know, but they, but they think that that is journalism. They think that that's writing, you know? And, a lot of times, like especially when I was doing news, hard news, it's like I'm up in the Bronx at like 7 a.m. to get a quote from somebody whose kid was killed. And I got my newspaper, my reporter pad and, you know, like tricks of the trade. Like it's better to write with pencil than the pen because if it's cold outside, your ankle freeze. Like just shit. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times you got to use a, a pencil. Would you have to do like beat stuff? Like mm-hmm. like go and down to beats. City Hall and like, yeah, really? Yep, and get like I can find anything on anybody really anything give me five minutes i can find anything on anybody you're like a constant jealous ex well yeah i mean without the exes but yeah yeah i can (laughs) but i mean but like i love that like the 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 hunt the quest of finding information like i'll just go into rabbit holes like i know a lot of information about things that don't apply to my life but just because i just started on a search word and just you know you just know how to do the research yeah how much it does, does truth matter in, in journalism? Truth used to matter, but this whole idea of being first, getting it up, 
before your competitors and now this whole influx of like fake news is definitely depreciating the value of journalism and the only people that are going to stick around are like the you know the stewards like the washington post and new york times like those things that can't easily be shaken but you know but the washington post new york times mm -hmm. just for well i mean i want to get back to what you're saying about truth but like those are two major publications who like refuse to run the edward snowden story yeah so like they're not completely like independent and free. No, they're not they're not completely independent and free, but I think that they will stand up against anybody who wants to challenge the integrity of their journalism as a whole. Not cuz you know you have different departments. Of course yeah. you have like breaking news, you have features, you have like, you know, opinion pieces. Yeah, yeah. But I think you have also style section and yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, nobody mm -hmm. really cares about the recipe. Nobody cares Nothing, about right? it. But yeah. I do think that because of the the quest to be first into appeal to the larger audience, they are pandering more, which is why like you see them pushing opinion pieces from crackpots like it's actual reported stories and it says it's in print everyone takes it as like the same yeah but you know they they just ignore the part that says opinion and then they say well why did you give this person this this space in the paper in the first place and then they have to say well we want to be fair and balanced to everybody and so you know it's a tug of war of like what's actually intellectually right and what is right for business and i think of course you know business is always going to trump being right but I think that journalism is going to play a part. I think that a lot of these things that articles that are written are going to come back to haunt people because it's, what do you mean? I think that things that like, okay, I mean, I don't know everybody talks about Watergate, but I don't think people really understand Watergate. So Watergate was really a crime blotter. Like it was a, a little tiny crime story. And it was this, like the Watergate Hotel. Was the Watergate Hotel was a little tiny, like you know, when you look at if you look at any newspaper, there there's always like a crime blotter, which is like maybe a third column and just like little bullet points, like man shot on 14th Street, woman pushed off building, this and this and that. And so, like, if as a reporter, I'll see those stories, and I've done this in the past, like I'll see a story like that, and I'm like, I need to know more. This sounds like this could be bigger. And so that's what happened with Watergate. It was like breaking at Hotel Watergate stuff was stolen from the dnc office and then so two other reporters saw that and was like oh there's something woodward and yeah um who is it i can't remember but Othrop? <laughs> i mean i don't know <laughs> but they saw it and they were like there's something here and then that you know you just pull at a little thread yeah it's a little thread that you keep pulling and you just get more and more information and you realize oh this is a bigger fucking thing this is an iceberg this is not just a little uh -huh. thing and so i think when it comes down to this administration and moving forward is going to be some little tiny thread that's going to unravel everything and it'll be documented and then you'll be able to connect the dots so i think that there is a point to journalism because it it is a time capsule it captures a moment it can be an archive it can be information it could be the death of someone's career you know because words still are powerful people want to act like shit doesn't mean anything because we get social media and you just you know have a tweet and it's gone forever it's, but it comes and goes like cool that guy's got fire cool move on and it's like oh that's a guy who can't feed his kids now yeah like are, are we sure i mean i remember that one of the earliest ones of that was the olympic bombing in atlanta mm -hmm. oh god and then they were like this guy is our suspect and he's like no no i was just there helping people ruined his life yeah and then like death threats and all this crazy stuff and like all right we're well, right we're moving on it's like we're moving on you can't you just left me in shambles yeah because we have add we have we have AD in this country well i think everybody does but we really have add and it's just too like you think about fame and when you think about like of course i want to reach a certain level of fame 
for whatever reason, whether it's like for money or in influence or whatever. But do you know how hard it is to be famous? Because people have so many channels. Like to be like to to, to be Cary Grant famous. To, nobody do can no be one will ever be. No one will ever fucking be Lucille Ball famous. Like they you, have no YouTube one stars. Yeah, how is anyone gonna be like Lucille Ball? But you could like what's his name, Paul Logan, whatever the Logan kid, the Logan boy. Yeah. Like like I did not know who he was until my goddaughter who was twelve was like, oh, he's really popular. He has ten million subscribers on YouTube. Popping up on my Instagram feed, not him, but like mm-hmm. people talking about him. I'm like, who are you guys referencing? Yeah. I don't even understand what you're talking. You about. You can be famous and no one know and mm-hmm. and not be a part of my world. Yeah. So if you sure. figure it is like what three hundred million people in in America, 50, yeah, yeah, and you and like there's somebody who has ten million followers. I have no fucking idea whose person is. Like when we were growing up, there was four channels. That was it. Four channels. Four channels. Three radio stations and movies. Yeah, and that was a certain level of fame. But now they said, they said like the number one dish on on um, Super Bowl Sunday, mm-hmm. number one like uh, food piece or something is like baked potatoes. Yeah. And you're like, who eats baked potatoes at Super Bowl parties? Like, oh, most people don't watch a Super Bowl. Yeah. Even though everybody you know watches it. But like, of the 370 million, yeah. only 150 million you know, are watching mm-hmm. it. Most people are not. So they're like, oh, it's just dinner. It's just Sunday. Yeah. They have no, they have no yeah. concept. So when you talk about like news, it's like there's so many outlets. There's so many people who have who've made themselves like, you know, an agent of information. And they don't really know what the fuck they're talking about. It's weird, too, because you'll find people. I mean, let's talk about fake news for a second. You'll find people that you seem to, to, to like, stand for the truth mm-hmm. above all. And it seems like that's what the media used to be. And media, I guess, I'm just talking about news right now. Um, newspapers and the news. Where it used to be like, no matter what, we're selling you truth. And that's why you guys are going to keep coming back. We'll mm-hmm. do commercials and stuff, but we'll give you truth. Because you're going to come to us for that. And if we lose that, we're going to lose you as customers. And then they just sort of like stopped having to do that. And well, they realized still part of it is like I remember growing up in New York City, we had three major newspapers. You had the Post, the Daily News, and the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And you knew where they all aligned. Like yeah. they, they were very clear. Like the, the Post was more like gossip. Yeah, the Post was more gossip and more like... Um, like or was that the Daily News? No, that's... Oh. They were definitely... One was like more like conservative. One was a little bit more like... Uh-huh. Um, liberal progressive and then new york times was like the saint the of real all of thing. them yeah. yeah but see also what changes what really changed was the panel once news programs introduce panels then you had to have because you're fair and balanced you have to have a person from each side represented and then you have these people who don't know what the fuck they're talking about and then what happens is sell a book sell a book or or you know a lot of the times like what are they that they're called surrogates now i think they're called surrogates but they're paid by people now so if i go on and i speak on behalf of like a republican expert i'm paid by the rnc i'm paid by a republican yes so so you can't be like actually i don't think that's right you have you have to say yeah well that's why if you ever so now if you ever watch like you know cnn and um the Republicans are very good at their propaganda and they're very good at their talking points. And so the RNC releases talking points to all of their, their, you know, spokespeople or whoever that go out in the media. And so no matter what channel you're watching, the Republican person that's represented there says the exact same talking points. Wow. They don't falter. And so the democratic party is a little bit different because they're like, why we have to do this dumb shit. Like, like, 
really? No, because our people are capable enough to to know what the fuck they're talking about. So we're not going to feed them some bullshit. But because the Republicans are like, these are the points and they don't break from it. They seem like more informed and more uniform. And so somebody at home is like, well, the Republican lady seems to know what she's talking about. And then they get sucked in. You ever see that Bruno episode where he's talking to fashion people? Yes. <laughs> and he's like, well, okay, next Paris Hilton's dress. What do you think of that? Like, it's tacky. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh, guys, guys, I'm so sorry. She, the Hilton Corporation is a big sponsor of the show. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, do it again. So what do you think? Like, it's lovely. She's so yes. demure. And it's like, you guys don't have any fucking no. morals or because, fucking integrity. Because on a personal level, that person who's speaking on behalf of the Republican agenda really just wants to be on TV. So that's what it boils down to, right? It's just like, what do I need to say to be on TV? Yeah. So, you know, when you think about like the news, I think if you're looking for real information, the best way to go is the nightly national news. Like you have your local news, which is like a little, maybe a little rinky dinky, you know, show, but like the six o'clock, whatever it is, like the The CBS CBS evening news, news, you'll get good, like 60 minutes, CBS evening news, like, you know, NBC, I mean, ABC evening news, like those ones, you'll get the news. Because they don't have a panel, it's not a, it's not opinion, it's not like a Sunday right, morning right, talk right. show. It's like the leading stories really are garbage. It's like, who, are these even experts? They're even not. like Reza Paik and like fucking who's that Palestinian comedian um, who's on shit all the time? But on CNN, he's on something. I know who you're talking about. He's based in New York. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but it's like Obadala. Oh, yeah, the Obadala, yes. and it's like. I mean, I, where were you educated on? Did you just read a few things and like, wh- who? Why are you the expert? Why? Why are you? I, do you look good? Is that what we're putting you on? And then you look at the social media, like, hey guys, seven p.m. Check me out on CNN. Yeah, exactly. And then you get someone like Barney Frank, who's like, I don't know, I'm not the most attractive guy, but I know about politics and the economy. And you're like, yeah. all right, well, maybe I should listen to this fucking mm-hmm. asshole more, and yeah. not the fucking pretty people. Opinions have killed journalism. So when you talk about fake news, what are we talking about exactly? You're talking about people who are sending out information that hasn't been verified. Because when I was a journalist, you had to have multiple sources. Uh-huh. And if I, if I turned in an article with like one source, they'd be like, you need more sources. If I had one, an article where both people had the same opinion, I had to find a, con, a, a contrast opinion. So you have to flesh it out a little bit more. But that takes time and it takes patience and it takes like skill. And if you are in a microwave society, you don't have like, the come time. Come on, we need a story. You're like, all right, need, one, one, yeah, one is and so you'll let you'll let something go a little bit unverified. You let something slip, then you know the next thing you know but i think when you talk about the fake news it's like it's to me when people say fake news it's people who clearly are not informed on the on the subject who don't want to admit that they are uninformed and they want to make it seem like you're crazy for giving a shit about facts also it seems like okay right where it's like mm, that's not dave smith points this out all the time where, where they're talking about like deportations and stuff mm-hmm. and they're like trump is terrible trump is terrible and he's like okay that's fine but just so you know deportations are down in his first year from obama's last year mm-hmm. Like there's there've been less, so like, I mean you can keep saying it, but the numbers themselves show a different story. So it's like I I mean yeah, clearly the guy wants to deport more people, but like, the result is less have been. So like, what are you complaining about? Well, then you can say, well, he's targeting the wrong people because mm-hmm. why would you deport a father who's been here for forty years? Absolutely, who, who's a business owner who's paid all his taxes, yeah. or you know, oh, like yeah. like so like when you're hearing when you're seeing these stories but then i but also i'm i'm reading these stories because i feel like my 
pool of information is wider than someone who's micro focused on things that agree with their personal sensibilities. Is that too? Where they're like, finally, here's an article I agree with. And I remember like- I was at South by Southwest and I met these two guys who worked in Silicon Valley and they were just like, they had stayed past tech week. It was like music week. So they're just kicking it, chilling. They, you know, mm-hmm. they were really cool guys. I let them come backstage to some of the events that I was producing. And we were talking and they were, this is like 2000 and I want to say four. No, it was like 2005 or six. And they were like, oh, yeah, technology, we already like we already have the thing that's going to guess what you want to see on the Internet. Jeez. And I was like, no way. They was like, we already have the thing that you can talk to it and tell to search for shit. Mm-hmm. Like, we already have the thing that will like will when they said that it, it was like when you go online, it will pull up all the things that you would want to see, like all the stories that you would want to see. Down to an algorithm. Mm hmm. Wow. And I was like, "Come on, guys!" And they were like, "No, we're for real." How many real. years ago was this? This is like two thousand. like two thousand sixteen. I mean, uh-huh. 20, 20, 2006, 2005. Okay. And uh-huh. so I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And they were like, "Yeah, we're like, we just it was like we just released it slowly for you guys because you're dumb. Because you can't handle it. Yeah. Like if you know the shit that we knew, you wouldn't even like." None of this is real. Like they're like, this is bullshit. What are you talking about? We're so far in advance, but we just have to slow it out and we have to monetize it. Yeah, right, 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 right. Otherwise, you couldn't you couldn't sell something that's already obsolete. You like sell that for a while, yeah. Then the next thing, pace it. What I see as fake news is a big one to me is online publications. Who I think I found this out. The person who's choosing the headline is not the writer. Oh no, it's never the writer. It's always the editor. And that headline is often so misleading to the truth. Clickbait. We call and, it clickbait. Yeah, but most people don't even read the story. No. They just read the headline. Well, I knew I knew that we were going down a wrong path when CNN started introduce bullet points on their online articles. So before you would read the headline, so you have the headline, you have the deck. The deck is a, a deeper summary of the story. So you have the head, the deck, and the actual body of the article. And so I remember one time I was on CNN and I just realized they had the head, the deck, and next to the deck was like bullet points of like key things from the article. So you don't even have so to have fucking to read the, read the article. article. Like, sum it up for me. Yeah, which is the same reason why you look at Fox News and like the whole time is this bunch of graphics. Like if you like, you know, watch tucker or o'reilly like on the side is like a laundry list of bullet points and and i know people that work there even people at cnn it was like we do that so that even if the television on mute you still still know what they're talking about yeah it's like when you see like more sexual allegations rise about somebody and then you read a little more and you're like someone said he took a picture with me and like his shoulder was too close you're like oh hold on yeah and it's like you didn't lie in the in the Mm-mm. in the thing, but like you've made people believe a truth that wasn't real. Yeah, that's like the fake news thing. Yeah, do you see that lady? Um, maybe a press secretary, like go after some CNN guy, and she was like, "We're not taking your questions." And oh, he was like, yeah. "Why?" She goes, "You're fake, fake news. news." And he, she mm-hmm. was like, "He was like, what are you talking about?" She goes, uh, "What about this article?" And he goes, "We printed a retraction two days later." And she goes, "Nobody read the retraction. You go, goddamn well, you printed that with no yeah. sources, yeah. just made people believe a lie." But that, but and that's then not slowly true. backed out of it. But see, that's not true because she was talking to a credit, a, a credible media source. I think it was like uh, Jim Acosta with the CNN. CNN, yeah. I think it was. So yeah, but see, they just see, so she was levels, like, "You keep doing this stuff." Yeah, but see, the thing is, like, it's different levels of fake news. Like, I think this fake news where where people's perception they they don't. Want want to admit that this is real because it counters their sensibilities uh-huh. and then there's people who are purposely putting out fake information so i think people who are putting out fake information they're just like you know the salts of the earth and they're just like trying to get 
attention but yeah. when people are talking about fake news i think in this political climate when it, this administration is like anything that doesn't agree with who what you believe is fake and i think that is ter- it's, right that's that's the thing it's like fake news like no you're what you're saying is i denied it yeah and but you're just saying fake news but then i think people started like hearing that word up and then looking at stuff and go wait there is some this fake shit there is some fiction, but it's and not from the people. And then people can hide behind that yeah. for something pretty real that just disagrees yeah. with them. Like, like CNN isn't fake news because they misquoted something and they did a retraction. But now you want to make them all obsolete as if they are out here with an agenda to, you know. Well, it's like joke thieves. Yes. You have two types. Mm-hmm. You have the type that it's like who does sit in the back of the room with a pen and paper. Or it's like, <laughs> you know, or like I saw Chloe's joke. I like it. I'm taking it. Yeah. I know whose joke that is. I'll bury it in my head. You know, and mm-hmm. I'll just say it's mine. I'll change a couple taglines and stuff. I'll change hippo to rhino, you know, and then just fucking that's my joke. Yeah. And there's another type, which I think is more common, which is like, I don't know who, but like, who just doesn't really do the research to be like, maybe this isn't my joke. Did I hear this from anybody? Yeah. And they refuse to ask. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like, like Attell is the opposite of that. Attell, I remember him asking me once, like, have you heard a joke about like a dog birthday party? I was like, no. And then sometimes they'll just ask me stuff like that. But then I'll be like, are you sure it wasn't like a door guy at the comedy store? I'm feeling like maybe it's a door guy at the comedy store. I was like, I don't know, but let me ask somebody. And yeah. He goes, yeah, please do. I mean, he made me call somebody. He's like, have you heard this? And he, they were like, no. He goes, do you know another door guy I can talk to also? Yeah. Like, you need like really making even though, sure. Yeah. I had a joke like that. And I and my thing is like, it's the rule of three. If I ask three different people who don't know each other, if, if they have or have not heard yeah. it, then it's good for me to go. Yeah. And if you get one guy's like, oh, it's pretty close to a Carlin bit. Like, like, Show me it. Yeah. And then you see it. And then you can do it for yourself. Like, that's nothing. We just talk about the same yep. movie. Or if it's like. Yeah, that is close. I might have seen that. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll get rid of it. Yeah, Especially because early things, on. Yeah, there's things that, that you pick up, you know, through osmosis. You have no idea. You hear stuff all the time. Yeah. But with those those new stuff, it's yeah. like if you're continuously barely looking at sources. I mean, it's Fox. Fox News is fake news. Like, So you legit. keep putting out stuff that's like 50% right and 50% wrong. Okay. Then it's Case like, you point. Can, we can't trust you with truth Fox anymore. Fox News is fake news. And... They've done it several times. You remember there was a guy who was killed in action and they politicized his death to the point where his parents were like, stop using stop our it. son. Yeah. Stop using our son. This is not that. the truth. The, you're, you're making this whole shit up. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh-huh. And then they just stopped reporting it. And, but there's no apology. There's nothing on the air that says that we fucked up because like, so that is like, you're, you're, you're pushing an agenda to, to, make fear in people's hearts so that they act accordingly and they are terrified so when somebody watches you know fox news is like either you want something to affirm all the things that you believe or you want to be scared into action and that to me is way more detrimental to society than any you know fake blog because a blog is a blog. Like you don't you don't yeah. expect journalistic integrity from a blog, but you know when you have a network that's been on the year for twenty plus years, you, you sh- you're right. It. You expect that to always be like dead on truth, and then when they don't, it's like what? And it's then gross. people have elevated blogs to like almost the same level as CNN. Yeah. Where if you get a babe.com, you're like, I've never even heard of this publication. I never, well, you haven't heard of it since. Nobody gives a fuck about babe.com. It was their way of like, let's, let's launch ourselves. Yeah, and but the, but the thing is like, but the thing is the way you get there, you have to die by that. You have yeah. to die by the way you got there because you don't want to admit that it was a fluke. 
you know, so babe is never going to say, you know what, we hear you guys and we probably should have, re- you know, did some mm-hmm. more research. And, but you know, like, no, with journalistic integrity, yeah. we, we print things. We, I'm sorry, we're not going to well, back so down you, against But see, also the man, thing about babe is that, you know, Rupert Murdoch invested like millions of dollars in that company a couple years ago. Oh, really? Yeah. So it, they have an agenda. It's an agenda to make money. Yeah. I feel like you should just name the rats in your backyard. I mean, there's so many, though. I, every time I look, I don't see. I don't. He see. walked through and got. He goes. He goes underneath that that wooden thing. Goes into the next yard, and they have a wooden deck. And I think they live underneath that wooden deck. Put down some fucking poison. I'm going. I'm going to call this exterminator on tenth. Put down some poison. Um. Yeah. It is weird too when you look at like all these blogs and people do like push it up to the level of a news source. Where yeah. it's like they do they do pass it around like look at this article and it's like wait wait I mean I remember early on I had to get on Facebook I had to get on Facebook because Facebook was really good at like and me because of my journalist sensibilities I'll see a headline and I'm like this doesn't feel right doesn't feel it right. and then you look takes- at the source and you're like it's like oh what that's not a thing I've heard of this is a made Never. up place or because also but see the 10 thing years is- ago you could tell because they were like yeah they were like the, the world news but you're also, like, oh that's not a thing that's not a thing but also a lot of people don't pay attention to urls right because the people like when you talk about fake news this is before trump there were there were websites that would create a url that was so close to something that made sense mm-hmm. you know so it would be like cnn.com backslash ko and you're like what yeah it seems right and it looks just like cnn they used to just do porn sites do that like if you misspell espn.com mm-hmm. and use the m like mary instead that's straight porn yeah if you go cmm or cnm or anything like that or not just m's but anything a one-off yeah. they'd be like straight to porn yeah but when you got that you knew it was a porn site right, exactly. it didn't look they like trying ESPN, to fool you. Like, like, we got you in yeah it wasn't like chicks with their titties out talking fake, about the a, news uh-huh. they had a fake white house um <laughs> yeah. thing for a while mm-hmm. and then the white house had to try to shut that down this is like maybe pre-obama or during yeah. obama where it was just like it just dolled up to look exactly like the white house page yeah so those, those I mean, that was like, those are like the, the OG fake news yeah. sites. But now it's like, you know, it's a little bit the more stealth so than that. I mean, I, I don't know why people are still on Facebook. I mean, unless you're a baby boomer and this is the only way for you to keep in touch with your friends, like you should not be on Facebook. The amount of misinformation that's been spread and the fact that they haven't had to speak up publicly about the fact that they allowed so many troll and Russian bot accounts to disseminate misinformation and be held accountable for it. You ever see that Twitter thing where you see like 50 different accounts post the exact same yeah. like thing and you're like, what's going on here? Yeah. I mean, because if they, if they shut down your account, they should be shutting down these accounts. Yeah, yeah. But like, so what is the what is the reason that you're not shutting down a Russian bot account? Like, there was a time like they don't know t- it too. They're they're hitting with so much stuff. Like, we're we're trying to work. No, on but, it, they, but they, know, they know they just don't. They it's so massive. Like right now, I just read an article that said that Russia is threatening to ban uh, Instagram and 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 YouTube from Russia if they don't take down a video of an oligarch yachting with a politician. Really? Yeah. And so when you hear that, you're like. Oh, that's why they haven't taken these shits down. Because are you going to miss out on a massive population a of people of that money. are going to use your source, your, yeah. your your platform? Yeah, it's like we got a big market. We just got to fucking do it. Just got to play ball. Yeah. Or do you go? No, we're not doing. Like Google is like for like China. Like we can be in China, but we have to like limit certain things. And they go, uh, uh-uh. uh, it's all or nothing. Yeah, but it's a it's a 
it's going to be soon before they let it go because 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 what happens is you know that allows china to create their own national social media platforms right and they're like that's gonna take us over so we have to do this in order to stop something from being worse and it's like "Mm, you guys are justifying just take the cash but it's so interesting because i i mean the whole chinese model for social media is complete complete big brother observation like everything is on their social media like one platform does everything yeah so one platform has like your schedule your your gps location you order your food from it it has your banking like it's all there no um weibo in china really Mm mm-hmm I think that's what it's called. Every chat is on there. Yeah, everything. Everything is on this social media platform. So, but also you're dealing with the people who are already used to being um, police spied, on. spied yeah. on. So it's like, okay, we're, we're down with that. We don't care. Yeah, it really makes me, I feel like the only real source I can trust that hasn't let me down ever in terms of just truth mm-hmm. is, um, is WikiLeaks. To a point. Yeah, but I haven't seen anything on there that has later come out to be wrong. Yeah. But you but the thing about WikiLeaks is like you have to deal with the intention. Why are you releasing this? Why are you like Julian, why are you doing what is what do you get? You've been living in a fucking I know asylum. Asylum for X amount of years. What are you personally getting out of this? Yeah, like, like are you trying to get back at some But then there was that thing too with Hillary Clinton. It's like, oh, they're releasing this stuff about, you know, the servers now. And it's like all right, but what was it though? Like she keeps shying away from stuff, yeah. saying, "Why are you doing this?" Like, but it's like, are you saying it's not true? Yeah. Are you just saying that they released the truth now to fuck with you? But see, I think you know we're at the point now where like integrity versus money is mm-hmm. at a like a zenith because the Republicans just paid the money. Like they both of them got hacked. Yeah, but because the, you know I don't want to say because the Republican, but you know the agents in the Republican party were like, "Fuck it, we'll just pay them. We'll just pay the money. We'll just give you whatever the fuck you want. Who? Just don't release our shit." The hacks, oh, right, yeah, right. But the Democratic is like, "No, we still believe in the integrity of the political process, and we're trying to play fair. And the days of playing fair are over." And they're bullshit too. The way they fucking worked against Bernie, and now it's all of shown. Course. And then that fucking lady who like headed it up is working for the Clinton Foundation. And it's yep. like, guys, quit being so obvious. And then yeah. no one cares. No one cares. But I remember when when the campaign was happening, you were like, it's going to be blood. It's going to be bloodshed. People are going to die. I said that? Yes. (laughs) Do you remember saying that? I mean, I sort of believe it. That's the only way to get real change. You got to murder a couple people. I know. A couple high-level politicians. (laughs) Some big businessman, a judge or two. Yeah, but I don't think the people... I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to kill. I don't think they're going to target the people they should be targeting. I think they're going to target civilians. I think civilians are going to target civilians. Well, it's civilian. You get a few organized people to be like, who should we take out with a message? Say, get money out of politics or a senator dies again next week. That sounds like a plot to a movie. But has it ever happened? You have to put fear in them. Until they think there's any repercussions. The worst repercussion is they lose their Congress job and they get a million dollar job working for someone they used to work with. I know. So like there's no repercussions. But like you keep fucking with us, you will start dying. The good ones or the bad ones. Well, I think this whole movement with you know, gun reform is a good place to start. Because mm-hmm. you can't really be mad at somebody killing a politician because kids are getting killed. I remember Hillary doing that to Bernie Sanders where, where they were talking about should you punish... Should you arrest gun manufacturers if their guns got used in a murder? Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, if, you, if it's legal to manufacture guns, you can't then later arrest them for something they did under the law. And then Clinton was like, 
I mean, I think that the life of a child is worth something. And I, Bernie Sanders doesn't believe that. Um, and he was like, and I just remember he'd always roll his eyes like, what? oh, come on. Yeah. He was like, just change the law. Yeah, just change don't, the law. Don't uh, fucking but I also think say that, I'm on the side of I killing mean, babies. I don't want to be all for age discrimination, but I also think that politicians are way too fucking old in this Too country. old. 70 fucking. Uh, Why are we getting some 35 years and 40 year olds? Biden is contemplating renting. Yeah, nigga, you're f- yeah, why don't we have a, why don't we have 29 30 year old senators it's like oh you graduated you went to grad school as soon as you're out live for four years understand what jobs are like fucking get in office yeah by 30 you should already have your like our first you should, job yeah you should definitely hold some office by the time you're 30 i mean yeah those people you, don't represent us they're so old yeah i mean the fact that uh, nancy pelosi is a multi-millionaire i'm like where the fuck you make this money from you've been in policy so oh so You've been in politics. Yeah. You've been making money in politics. Oh, wow. It's so crooked. They're millionaires. They're multi... Paul Ryan and multi-millionaire. And nobody's like, how How did you become a multi-millionaire? <laughs> yeah. Because your job pays, what, like $125,000 a yeah, year? Yeah, so what? And you're worth nine? Well, we get taxed on a different level. It's like, all right, so that's like $200,000 a year. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's still like, I don't know how you got it to a million. But the everyday American doesn't. Well, we get free lunch at the Congress dining hall, too. I'm like, okay. So oh, that's, yeah. That's yeah. another, you know, three grand a year. Yeah. But like, and now, still not and, quite adding up. And now your family gets free health insurance for their lifetime because you put that into Duncan motion. Duncan told to me once, he goes, the rich people make the laws. And anyone making the laws will make laws to benefit themselves. Mm-hmm. So like, they're just going to keep doing it. I know, but you know... Come on, Mal. Get back over here. You know what cracks me up, though, is that the fact that they're doing all this stuff to like to preserve their wealth, as if when the lower third of the population dies from starvation or crime, that they'll be able to survive without us. Oh, yeah. Like, you can't... Like, you're not going to pump your own gas. You're not going to... You're not going to, like, pick up your own groceries. Like, you realize that there's a reason why that this is, the, like, the breakdown of, like, power and wealth in this country. You need us. I love watching rich NYU kids, like, have no idea how to deal with life. The freshman year, they're oh, yeah. like, walking around like, well, how do you get on the bus? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man, I live with kids in the dorm who, like, did not wash clothes the entire semester. Yeah, they don't know how to do it. They've they never used a laundry machine. Never used it. One day, I, one time I checked into the dorm, like, I was moving into the dorm, and a, a chick had a, a butler, like, with... Like the outfit, like the the cap, helping and the vest. Him move in. Yeah, helping to move in. Wow. And they were actually. She was actually black. She was actually. She's mixed. Her mom was Asian. Her dad's black. And he was like a really, really well known, wealthy um, entrepreneur. Was she like Whitley? Yeah, she was. Yeah, From she a was different world. Worse than that, but she was like that. Was Whitley? Whitley was a different world. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at you knowing your black sitcoms. Look at you. <laughs> it was just, yeah. It was a guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think I remembered it. Those Whitney and Whitley, I mean, a different world than Cosby show were like the whitest black sitcoms possible. I know. But you know that when Cosby was supposed to start his show, they, they were supposed to be working class and he changed it. Really? Yeah. They, he was supposed to be a garbage man and she was a stay at home wife and they changed it because he felt like black people, which is true. Black people need to see a little bit like higher echelon of, yeah also i heard him in an interview i mean let's ignore whatever but like when he was still like the leader Mm -hmm. they were like people were like this isn't like the the average african-american like life a a lawyer married to a doctor like why are you showing this he goes this is the future i want to show what the future is yeah and he goes and it's some of us now it's just not all of us but Mm -hmm. like why why do we always have to show gangsters and rappers which is why representation matters and that cracks me up that people are so upset about black panther Pete, white, white, Why? He all was always white, gonna be black, wasn't he? All white, but they're like, first of all, it's not like changing to a black Spider-Man, which I don't really care because Spider-Man really was just a kid. 
so who cares what he is? Yeah. But he did happen to be white back then. Mm-hmm. Black Panther was always black. Yes, he was always black. So what? What? What's people's ups- because because they feel like why? Well, also you got to realize there's a, a group of like people in the sensitive white community or alt white community who don't really know who Black Panther is anyway. As a comic, so oh, they're so just like, seeing, why are they making these yeah, black superheroes? Yeah, why it's do like, we have a black superhero? Made. Yeah, or they say, well, why is it such a big deal about representation if we had an all white movie and we're like, you, you always do. have all <laughs> every movie is all white. Yeah, every movie, every movie, major movie with an ensemble cast, ninety nine point nine percent of the time is all white, and people don't ever understand like how important it is to see yourself like the fact that they change one character to being a person of color makes you so upset in a movie and that's how as a person of color i rarely rarely saw all black people like kazi show different world was like the one of few shows martin like very few shows i mean there was they actually should, they should do a, a martin luther king biopic and then have a like a, a white guy playing that oh <laughs> yeah they love to i mean they do that with asians whenever asians supposed to be moving they will whitewash the fuck out uh-huh. of that like look at this indian I'm like that's mexican and yeah Asian. What are you i mean johnny about? depp should not be playing a native american mm-hmm. just like matt damon should not Samurai. be yeah it should come on now like yeah. don't even take those jobs yeah but then also you have a bunch of people who just get mad that's also another fake news like outrage over over whatever mm-hmm. over a women's only showing of wonder woman outrage over this and you're like you talk to mike lawrence and he's like it's not outrage it's two blogs who were written by people who have deadlines because yeah. they had to make money yeah and then that article is covered by 10 other articles yep. and there is no real outrage no it's a fake outrage yeah because you, like, and you call the movie theater and they're like nobody called us nobody called us nobody called nobody did anything no. it's just a couple clicks like yeah this is bullshit like share on facebook and where it's like that's the that's the fucking evil a part facebook. of me a part of me hopes like i have a little like fantasy of like just a big power down yeah like just shit goes out for an extended period of time and we have to rethink again on how to communicate how to travel how to just get basic shit done because we don't have the luxury of having a phone that's going to just take care of everything for us yeah. you have to start talking to, like that's why i like you know when i went to like chappelle show and they took your phone away it was so liberating and i was actually was with that? a friend a radio city music hall yeah. they like make the you put your phone pouches. in that yeah, yeah 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 i use those for my special it's great yeah he left them in denver so denver comedy works uses them for every show Oh wow! Like, I don't want to take you guys can have them, so they do. And then, um, yeah, I made contact with those people and brought them to Austin. I've tried to get Cap City to like use them always, but like it's great, and nobody knows how to do it. Nobody, and but also as a, as somebody watching this show, it allows you to just give something your full attention, attention. and it's so, it's so like satisfying because you're like this is the only thing I have to worry about. I heard right somebody now. say about uh, movies on Netflix or even like a, like a Black Mirror or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're like they'll put their phone in the other room. Mm. So they can just watch this for an hour instead of taking a, a two and a half hours to watch an hour show. Yeah. Because you're constantly pausing and like doing shit. Yeah. It's like you're taking yourself out of it. They, they, they built attention and you're taking yourself out of it. I hate when I get, or love, when I get like some heckler who's like, that's sucky. I'm like, you didn't pay attention to the setup. You don't even know what I'm talking about. I <laughs> you saw you on your phone. Fries. Yeah. yeah. But no, they're in their phone just going over something. And they're like, what? I'm like, you would have known if you fucking listened to the last two minutes. Yeah, I think all clubs should probably. I think major clubs in the country should do that. Because people can't trust themselves. They can't trust themselves. And also, it just protects the integrity of our material because, you know, somebody puts something up yeah. before the joke is done. Or and maybe it looks you're like, just, look with this. Because before I didn't mind it when it was just a YouTube clip. Mm-hmm. I'm like, if it ain't good, it won't get a lot of hits. 
You know what I mean? And if it is good, then all the better. Yeah. Then it, you know, if you did a quality set and they held it steady, it's like, I don't know if I can get 500,000 hits on some fucking pirated thing. Those are still 500,000 yeah. hits on a, on a, yeah. maybe it's not my special, but it's just as many people it watching it. to you. Mm-hmm. And if it's sucky, it won't go around. But now with the culture of like, let's attack everything they say, I'm like, hey, I'm still working this out. Oh yeah. No. And I don't, I do dark shit. So like, if it's not done, I'm not ready for it to be public consumption because it, yeah. it does look shitty. I've just gotten the harsh words and not mm-hmm. like the, the, you know, the justifications yet. Yeah, but people want, they want to have that access to you. They want to be like, I was the person that got that clip up. Like, you know, the whole thing with Hannibal and, and Cosby, like no one talked to the person who posted that clip. No one person. We were not paying attention. Yeah, like nobody was like, so what did you think was going to happen as a result of you putting this clip out there? Like, what was your intention like, do you take credit? <laughs> I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. Yeah. But it's nuts. Like, one little clip could just change the whole narrative. Especially people love to take things out of context. Yeah. You Hannibal, know? Well, I don't think liked being the fucking center of all that shit. Well, he kind of got out of it look, pretty quickly. Like, it in the comedy. On, it moved on past him. Yeah. I mean, it was bigger than him. But in yeah. a comedy world, like, we all know that that was a catalyst. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't think the everyday person associates Hannibal with Bill Cosby. I think he got enough like not pushback but like response to where he felt it oh yeah even if we're like you're not the main one but he felt it for a while and i think he was glad when it moved on of course of course but you know i think when it comes to like journalism there's gonna we're gonna return to a point where people value facts Mm -hmm. only because it's like i don't want to go through all the bullshit just what's what is close enough to the truth like, I don't want to have to read 45 blogs. There shouldn't be. I don't want to hear opinion yeah. pieces. I don't want to see panelists arguing on Sunday morning. Like, just what is it? Just tell me. Tell me the facts of what happened. Facts. Exactly. Yes. I would love just articles like that. Instead of having to decipher them from an article. Whenever you get like adverbs in there. Yeah. You know, comedian viciously attacks. Like, wait, viciously. What do you mean? Viciously didn't happen. I know. And attacks is like, you mean made fun of? Like, what? Like, like. But viciously shouldn't be. That's not. That's not nothing to do with that. No, not at all. That's just gearing them to say this was terrible. Well, I feel like Google News should do that. Google, like all like Yahoo, Google News, like all of those like search engines, they should just have like a bulletproof bullet point breakdown of like what the story is without uh-huh. all the opinion. Because I remember hearing about. I remember hearing about Russia and the influence on our election over a year ago. To over a year ago, and and it was all facts. Because it was like the oil company sold this percentage to this anonymous source. And then right after that, this happened and this happened. Like It was literally like follow the trail Yeah. over like a course of 18 months. Like these series of events happened, which is why Russia invaded Ukraine because they wanted to get access to the ports for the oil because if they didn't have that. Then they couldn't secure the deal with the oil. So when you see all of this shit, you're like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Now I see why. But then that gets buried with opinions and, and then like who did it and why yeah opinions yeah. i mean they blamed 9-11 on bush and it was like even if you think it was all like a rigged job you know yeah. where they put it's like no one tied the fuck no one there was no made the line to george bush it was Never. like somebody but like how do you know and it's like that was a leap. those leaps so who did you think it was I'm like i don't know i mean most of them came from saudi arabia and they're not even on the travel ban list today it's nutty you know I went to East Timor. Oh, one really? Of my favorite places I went. Really? Yeah, and I wasn't gonna go. I always had a thing with them in my head. Maybe I remember their news story of them getting independence sixteen, seventeen mm-hmm. years ago. Sixteen, um, and but it's always like sort of been in there, you know. And 
then I was in, I was like, yeah, but I'm not, I'm probably not going to go, even though I was out in that region. And then I was in Indonesia talking to a guy from Jakarta. And I was saying how I might, he was like telling me about the Galapagos, not the Galapagos, the fucking, where those dragons are, whatever they're called. Mincha Island and, you know, those big fucking. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, do that and then go to fucking East Timor. And I was like, I, it's like dangerous. He goes, oh, no, it's not, man. He goes, there's travel bans. He goes, that's because they do more business with Australia than America. So America's never bothered to lift a travel ban. Mm-hmm. I was like, really? He goes, yeah, those advisories aren't like based on like danger now. Yeah. That was 2008. That war ended. Mm-hmm. Everyone's peaceful now and it has been for a decade. And you're like, really? And you go and you're like, this place is amazing. Yeah. And you realize it's just because of money coming in that they like. Well, it's just it's the same thing with Cuba. Yeah, exactly. Like the reason why Cuba back out. What? what? Yeah, the reason why we don't fuck with Cuba is because of Russia. Yeah, and the reason why Donald Trump reenacted those embargoes is because Russia was like, "That's our territory. Like, we need that. We need that stronghold to be close to y'all in case we want to fuck y'all up. Like, really, that's what it is. It's like we need to have this piece of land that's like less than an hour away from Miami. Yeah. So this is our shit. We want it back. And Donald Trump was like, "Okay, you can have it back." Wow. You know, like really, it's all like it's all strategic. Also, because because Cuba buys all of its like oil and shit from Russia. So if you open it up to America, then Russia's missing out on that money. So it's like everything is so like if you just do a little bit of research, this shit is so fucking clear. Is when I was in Israel, when I was used to live there, and they only had Coca Cola, not Pepsi, and they had just gotten Pepsi. Like it's new Pepsi, mm-hmm. Pepsi Cola, and the reason was the Arab countries are like, if you do business with Israel, you can't do business here. Yeah. So Coke was Israel, Pepsi was Arab. Mm-hmm. And then that was just until finally they were like, we're not doing this anymore. Or it was just allowed. And then it was like, yeah, yeah, we'll just. Yeah. They were too in everywhere. Yeah. To go out. But like. It's just greedy. It's nuts. And then you're like, you support this and you support that. It's like, no, we don't. We just go where the money will allow us to be. <laughs> yep. You think there's going to be a, an end in sight to like bring journalism back? Or do you think it's just going to get worse and worse and like fringes are going to be back? I think I think that um, the fall of this administration, which is inevitable, I don't know to which scale. I mean, two things are going to happen. Trump's administration is definitely going to eat eat it. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna go they're gonna go face first. What do you think the, the chances are they win one more time? I don't think that they will win one more time. The only way that they can win is if Trump abandons all of his associates. Like if he throws Kushner under the bus and like. Mm-hmm everybody kelly like if he gets rid of all those people and blake it was them it wasn't me it was their fault it wasn't me then he could probably win another but i think that the damage to the gop is too great that they realize that they need to run somebody that's a little bit down the middle yeah because you can't you can't coast on yeah but they're not gonna they're not they i mean they have to stick by trump for the next election right they can't be like maybe they'll talk to him like hey you're not gonna win again get it say you're retiring we can get another Republican in here, a progressive Republican. He, I don't think he's going to last four years only for his personal interests. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's going to quit. I think he'd be, he, he would have to tell himself that he's not willing to do that to be like, I didn't last a, a term. Is he going to let, is he going to throw his, his son-in-law under the bus and no. Ivanka, who he loves more than life itself? No. Like they have to go. You know what I mean? Like that's the, the only way he can fulfill the they four years. Step down. Okay. So they like, they were heroes. They did nothing wrong. Yeah, he'll probably try to say that. Yeah. But then all the lawsuits are happening. Like like the lawsuits are going to like these these cases are going to go to trial before his four years are up. So the information's gonna come up. They just now they just I wonder um, if it's too much too early too, where people are like at some point getting fatigue about Trump stuff. I know that with jokes they are. 
Um, it is fatigue. And then eventually go, oh, that's another thing. I, I just don't believe any of this stuff anymore. It's all just overdone. Well, it's been the a year. Is, we still haven't heard any details on see, Russia. See, Trump, like, Trump is one aspect of it. I think people will get tired of Trump. Mm-hmm. But then right behind it, the larger issue is the GOP party as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's, people who, there's people who trust Trump but don't trust the GOP. Oh, right. And so you have to figure out, well, where are those people going to vote? come but see also a lot of these local districts are switching you know a lot of these like special elections have happened and turning over and the geo- republican and the seats Democrats and democratic are- seats and 2018 is going to be you know a big thing for the democratic even party Democrats so are fucking got to sort their shit out yes but you know i think they have a clearer message which is better us than them that's crazy like instead of having a real message like here's what we want to do yeah instead of like they're worse it's like they're worse they're is your worse. platform yeah that was what we want that's how he won i'm better than her she's worse than me and people they went back and forth like that yeah but i think i don't think he's gonna i don't think he's gonna make it i don't think he himself is gonna make it i think that his his um like maybe pence you know what i mean i don't think that take over i think that's wishful thinking i don't know prince is way worse yeah exactly like you rather that guy Pence is way worse because he's actually conversion therapy. Pence is way worse because he's actually locked, stock, and barrel with the cold Christian evangelical movement and locked into the GOP. Yeah, movement. Trump kisses up to them sometimes, but yeah. he ain't he ain't a Christian. Trump is self self serving, but Pence thinks he's doing the greater good for the word of Jesus. Like yeah. he thinks he's you know a martyr. Um, but I think when it comes to the truth, I think if they ran out Hillary again, and then people got so sick of like the overboard like me too movement or whatever movements where it's like punish everyone even associated like that new york times lady mm-hmm. if they get so like you got you liberals are so far left now that we got to go the other way if they do that and run out hillary again i think he might win again she's never she's never gonna run again she's never gonna run again she's got ego too she could be like i got a chance i mean for the state of the union they pulled out a fucking kennedy out of nowhere to give a a, 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 I mean, a response to the State of the Union. Did you see that? Some Mm-mm. young Kennedy kid, red-haired Kennedy kid, who gave his own State of the Union speech on behalf of the Democratic Party. Really? He, he probably like early thirties. I don't know. And they're like, they want him to be one of the people. I mean, but that's already problematic because you just put in a, a legacy person. To, exactly. Come on now. Who would you Who would you want for the Democratic ticket? I would like to see no more parties. They seem too like team oriented mm-hmm. instead of whatever so like when you see like a bernie who's like i'll can i'll be pretend to be democrat so i can run with you guys and then them get in the way of like well if you didn't reg- if these people who would have supported you didn't register democrat early enough then that means they can't vote in the primaries even though yeah. they would have voted for you over anybody mm-hmm. it's just like it's such a rigged weird fucking system that they won't change but like i wouldn't mind bernie again that lady whose name i never remember who warren yeah Seems okay, except she seems a little too worry. Worry? That's what do you mean? She seems to still support the troops at every turn. Well, you don't think that we should support the troops? No, I think we should support them by pulling them the fuck out of those places. Okay, so what would happen if we removed all of the U.S. troops? Because I thought about this too. I was like, what if we just shut our jo- doors like China did for like ten years? Yeah. Like, just bring everybody home, mind our fucking business, worried about our shit. I think those shit. people who would live in regions that are not yet done um, figuring out who lives where mm-hmm. will go back to fighting against each other. Yeah. And then their countries will become settled at some point. They'll figure out. I mean, that's how. I mean, it was bloody as fuck. That's how Pakistan became a country. 
because India ran out all those people in that ethnic group mm-hmm. until they pushed them up there and said, all right, you guys stay out. No, but that, that's kind of how it happened. But, you know, there definitely was imperialistic involvement who literally drew a map and was yeah, like, and said, okay, you guys there, you guys there. <laughs> yeah. But in the Middle East, those countries were not, I mean, you're talking about so many different tribes and like, you're part of this now. Like, Palestinians are in Palestine, in, they make up 60% of Jordan. Yeah. And they don't have any rights there. Yeah. And then everyone's like, why is your tribe being split up? Like, mm-hmm. it should be all together. And that's the country. It should be around that. That group of ethnic... Wait, so where do you stand on the whole Israel conflict? Um, it's That's a fucking 20-day conversation. Because you know what kills me about... Um, I, I don't want to generalize. Yeah. But when I hear the such hatred that some jewish people have for palestinians mm-hmm. like like vitriol like they came in and raped your mom in front like like the and i'm i'm thinking the only thing they see in the news is the terrible stories of palestinians mm-hmm. they don't see just palestinian movies and shit like that and regular stuff they only see the stories of a, te- a discotheque was blown up i know today. so like abby uh what's her name oh comic at the stand I don't know. Young white girl. Anyway. I'm not going to know her. Um, <laughs> no offense. Rosenquist. You haven't seen her there? Oh, you barely go to the stand. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so she was like, it's weird because like all these people see like, you know, like we all see like, look at these like black guy getting shot unarmed. Mm-hmm. And she goes, okay, that's fine. We get pushed with that image all the time. And then you have people like Ben Shapiro say, look, break down the stats a little bit. It's like, it's not as clear. It's just mm-hmm. all the examples are giving you. But like, we're getting hit with that image enough to where it's like, fuck, this has to change. She goes, my grandmother, she's getting pushed images of like that old white lady being picked up and thrown into the pool. Mm. And she goes, these black people are crazy. Yeah. And she's like, neither one are wrong. They're just like being pushed the images to make them think a certain way. Yeah. Those Israelis get pushed this image of like Palestinians as fucking animals. And here's the deal. Christian Palestinians are amazing. Yeah. The Christian parts of Palestine mm-hmm have schools and hospitals, malls and movie theaters. It's not that rubble thing. Yeah. Bottom line, a four-year-old kid shouldn't have her arm missing. She didn't do anything. Yeah. But like, it ain't as simple as like, see, I would, free. see my thing, I would be like, none of y'all get to live here. Oh, right. Well, yeah. none of y'all get to live. You get to, you get to work and pray, but you can't live here. If y'all fighting over the land, draw a circle from this diameter, from this point, and nobody can live here. Right. And y'all figure it out. I don't know how it's going to work with splitting up Palestine into like Michigan. It's like un- unconnected. Yeah. Like how's that going to work? But the thing is, you know, it's, I mean, I, I to me is like, I guess because of my my black experience and you know understanding civil rights in this country and understanding you know segregation and lynching and all that stuff like when I see them I I somewhat sympathize with the Palestinian uh-huh. plight because you just sure. see basic people with no rights yeah you know and then I see a story it's like a Palestinian family has been living in this house for fifty eight years and then an Israeli claimed it fucking seventy five years ago like my great 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 uncle on my daddy's side lived here and then the government takes that like kicks them yeah. out of the house like like to me like what is that yeah but that, like that happened in Shabbos Ravine when they wanted to build Dodger Stadium mm-hmm. so all these like Mexicans have been living there for yeah. generations we'll pay you for your house like you're not paying me enough to get a new house you're oh, paying yeah, me for in, a shack yeah but in Palestine they're not paying them they're just kicking them right. out of the house yeah. that, whenever they go back the argument goes back to like 
well, we were here first. God said we should have this. And the Palestinians are like, but you left and we were this. I'm like, guys, none of that matters anymore. Don't go back more than 100 years. No. You're being ridiculous. No, don't go back more than 50. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but I just feel like to say that you have a birthright to a piece of land. But then is, it works the other way too, where like there was this like desert type area with mm-hmm. the settlements where the Jews like built homes, built like little Americas and Palestinians yeah. like that's ours. I'm like, well, this wasn't anything before. I would say, I say it was de-neutralized. It's nobody's. Yeah. It's nobody's. It's nobody. You can't claim any right to it. Clear out this area except for worship. And then some people say, well, why can't we just live in peace? And you're like, that's just, there's too many people who won't allow that. 98% of people will want that. But see, my thing is, why would you want, power. see, to me, it's like, why would you want to live somewhere where you're not wanted? Like, if I'm, an, if I'm an Israeli family and I want this house that's been occupied in a Palestinian neighborhood by a Palestinian family and I'm surrounded by Palestinians, why would you, why would you want to be there? It's not really like that. It's more like, um, it's more like, it's like this whole like neighbor. It's like the Alphabet City or something. Mm-hmm. But then like Lower Manhattan was the the war zone. But like you got like you know fifty blocks or yeah. twenty blocks that are totally fine. You mm-hmm. walk through with Chabada places. Yeah. It's not like next door is somebody who hates you. Oh, okay. But also like why do they hate you? You didn't do anything. You're also just some immigrant who wants to like from America wants to build a home. Yeah. I think that they should give. And so and I actually didn't understand why they didn't acknowledge the Palestinian government because. And then somebody who is like from Palestine or has family that was like, you got to understand something. The Palestinian people needed somebody to speak on their behalf. They needed somebody to protect their interests. And they just so happened to vote for an entity that is now considered a terrorist entity. They voted for them after they were already considered a terrorist entity. Oh, they did? Yeah. It was it was America coming in saying, if you vote for them, we're not going to give you any aid. And they're like, don't tell us what to do. Now we are voting for them. Oh. Yeah. Hamas was already like on the way the wrong side it was arafat and the plo which is like i mean same thing that in their in their charter but, but, it said we won't rest until all the jews are driven into the sea and it's like we're supposed to do business with you <laughs> we're supposed to fucking get negotiations going it's like right, just live your place we'll live our place but see now that the fucked up thing about hamas is like well you, clearly that tactic isn't working and your people are suffering so at some people point people are you, suffering, you should say let's scale it back a bit and let's it's at same least as, it's the same as like here where it's like our people are suffering and the rich people don't really give a shit the people who are in charge of hamas are they making money they're the ones taking all the guns they're the ones deciding mm-hmm. where to go to war. It's not yeah. the basic normal person. Yeah. The basic normal person just wants to farm and fucking live his life. Yeah. It's like they don't give a shit and they're getting this bad rap. I'll break it down to this to, in terms of like how difficult it is to like understand. Mm-hmm. They had checkpoints all the time. Yes. It's a war zone. Um, and they had checkpoints in the like disputed mm-hmm. regions. Um, and you had to stop and like get your car searched. And it was tough if you want to go to work. But you know, it's 30 minute like wait and you fucking do it or whatever it is. And then they had a policy of like ambulances go through because these people are sick oh, and they yeah. go through. And then started the Palestinians started smuggling bombs and guns in the, in the ambulances. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, well, now we got to stop ambulances. And, now, and they go, well, people are dying because they're being delayed at checkpoints. And it's like, it's just not a simple thing. They're like, yeah, we don't want people to die in ambulances. Yeah. But also don't use them to fucking smuggle guns in. Mm-hmm. So then it's just like a, it's an unwinnable but the thing is, it goes back to the why. You have to figure out what, what, where does this desperation come from? Uh-huh, yeah. Is it really just land? I don't think it's just land. I mean, a lot of it, too, was like when, when I forget which war, attacked Israel. Israel didn't have Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. It wasn't part of their country. And then 
um, let's say they came in this way. Let's say Israel's here. They came in this way. And pushed Israel, it to Israel the west. drove them back. Uh-huh. So they, like Israel was here. They, they pushed in here. And Israel drove them all the way back until like the end of Jerusalem. Yeah. And then these people were like, we want Jerusalem back. And Israel's like, nah, man. You attacked us. Yeah. We drove you back. And they're like, you're not getting Jerusalem back. And they go, you can take your people back. And they're like, we don't want those people back. And so there's all these people that are like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, they don't want them back over here in Jordan, <laughs> even though they're 60% Palestinian. Yeah. And then Israel's like, well, they were never our people. Yeah. Take your people back. And they're like, no. And so they're like, well, what are we going to do with them? All right. And now they're impoverished. It's a fucking, like, they live in fucking shanty towns. They don't get the same rights. They don't get to vote. Yeah. They're afraid that Israelis are afraid of them outbreeding them the way we are with Mexicans here. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. And so it's like, guys, they're just people. You can't have a, a, a fucking Jewish I know. run country anymore. But then they go, well, then what about the Holocaust? And like, I don't know what to tell you, man, but you can't just have, you can't just have Jews only. Or it'll always be, as soon as you have one non-Jew in, a wife of somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then it's like, it's not going to be 100% Jewish. Then what do you got? Because there's also the fucking Arab Israelis that do have full rights. Mm. And that like, that didn't, it's like, they don't want them outbreeding them. Isn't that fucked up? Yeah. I mean, that's the same reason, that's the same reason why here in America that the the, the white Christian evangelicals are so anti-women's rights because they don't they want to keep their numbers up yeah. I'm, I firmly believe this you can't tell me differently I think they want to keep their numbers up and they want to make sure that they are maintain the majority and also it it and also in their chauvinistic mind it keeps a woman in a woman's place possibly it, but like what if what I'm just thinking this now what if uh, you and I moved to a reservation mm-hmm. an Indian reservation yeah and then we had kids and another white family was like hey you should come this is fucking great Sorry to say you're white, but yeah, like, I understand uh, it. but you know, Western another family. non, yeah. And then they were like, yeah, it's great. And then they had a little like mini community mm-hmm. and we started like making more of us and breeding a little bit. And then we're like, well, you know, there's 15% of us here now on this reservation. We should be able to be on the board. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's Indian only. <laughs> yeah. And you sort of get it. It's like, yeah, you should want Indian only, but also like, why? What's wrong with us? Why can't we be part of your community? Yeah, because the part of the reason why you shouldn't be a part of this community is because we were abandoned here. We were yeah. he- left here not of our own free will. We were Push given there. a shitty fucking deal, and this is this is like a punishment. And you've come here and turned it into a Disney resort. Yeah, because and because of oh, that. Right because now of that yeah now you want to like take over and we wouldn't have gotten any of the shit if you weren't here the codes to show you that they don't give a fuck about us yeah well tel aviv was a swamp in 1935 mm-hmm. it was like it's now one of the biggest cities in the world it was a swamp so the idea is like we want that back it's like you want what back the swamp <laughs> or these fucking giant buildings i don't know it's it's not a thing where it's like who's right who's wrong no, I don't. I don't think. I don't There's think it's a matter. There's on both sides. I just do. I personally, I've never been to Israel, but I, when I hear about like the fighting over the Holy Land, then let it be Holy Land. Right. Like it shouldn't be Holy Land, but you just bought a condo next door to the praying wall, and you feel like you should have. Like there should be no condo there. It should be. But people have been living there for hundreds of years. No, I get it, but I'm just saying, like you know, I'm talking about like the, the true epicenter of like the holy yeah, city, yeah, where yeah. just like the Muslim Christian, like you know that part. They split it up into fours. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not just tour. I mean, people live there. So I don't it's not think, just tourists. I don't think people should live there. Thousands of people live there. Relocate them. Arabs and Jews. Yes. Clear it out. I think it should be cleared out and it should just be a holy city for work and worship 
and then you go home to your neighborhood. Outside there. Yes. Yeah, maybe. It's like, <laughs> you, you ain't going to let that fly. They all want to stay there. You're still going to displace families that have been there, Arab families too. Yeah, so what? Equally. Yeah, equal- maybe. And build up new settlements, build up new apartment buildings, and you know you live in your neighborhood according to. That's the thing too. Is that you could be just you could just be like, guys, your settlements. We're gonna move you fucking. We're gonna help you build new ones. We're gonna move you fucking twenty miles over. You guys get this. You want it? We'll get this. It's just like. But no, somebody's like, well, why? Why am I twenty? That person's seventeen miles away. My so my uncle, my half brother, was part of the uh, U.S. Army, mm-hmm. and he was in charge of. He's a captain in the army in charge of setting up a provisional government in Afghanistan. Mm, okay, fun. It took one year of negotiation to decide how much percentage of each of them, Kurds, Shiites, mm-hmm. Muslims, whatever they are, I don't know all the things, a year of negotiation to say, you guys get 17 seats, you guys get 23 seats, you guys get 54 seats based on your numbers and power, whatever. And they finally, finally decided, okay, these are the right numbers. And like, sweet. And this is like towards the end of his tour there. He's like, all right, let's set up our first meeting. And they were like, wait, we're not sitting in a room with them. Fuck no. And then he was like, ah. And he's like, all right, and just hand it off to the next guy. Says, see you later. Enjoy this. It's like shit we can't even comprehend. Yeah, because it's tribal. It's not about, and it, right, and it's not about like gold or land. Mm-mm. It's just about like God wants us to kill you. So like there's no <laughs> negotiation with that. Yeah, but you also are the same God. So. Did you get the wrong text message from God? I don't understand. Dude, those, it's like, that shit I'll, I'll say off air, but like. It's crazy to me when, you know, we talk about like, you know, and when we see each other in the past, we talk about like how crazy religion is. And I grew up in a Christian family, but like, as I get older, especially I think comedy really allows you to like, look at things a little bit more mm-hmm. like objectively and be like, wait, what is the agenda? Like, yeah. I'm a little confused. And to me, it's like, I just don't understand how you could say in Jesus name or in, in the name of the Lord that you want another person dead exactly but the, the the fire bombings of the fucking abortion clinics or the or the crusades yeah but generally now generally you get like christians who are like hey we kind of worked that out that bloodlust we kind of worked it out so now of the christians now we're like yeah we're we're on the right side of things and it's like maybe the muslims are like on a different level well you know? you know no no because here in this country it just gets politicized so you mm-hmm. can say you're christian but then you want the guns and you talk about your constitutional right but yeah. you really who who are you shooting that gun at another child of god Metzger points this out that in christianity mm-hmm. the commandment is thou shalt not kill yes there's no well in times of war you can't it's like what you're in in someone else's country they're not attacking you you no. can defend yourself but like why are you going to a place where you have to defend yourself by taking someone else's life because they think i have to help the other man that's it's being so, attacked it's or so whatever. weird but it's like you should just be like i'm not allowed to kill someone yeah that's the only commandment that's it and like take out that target like that's not a guy who's about to kill anybody i, I can't take out this target because you're, but so many christians are in the fucking armed forces yeah but they're also there out of desperation yeah i guess because it's a job i know it's but money I, but that's not a job you're allowed to do i know if you're a christian you just can't take a kill job i know you just can't but they do. Yeah, but it's like Jews weren't allowed to work on Saturday. And like, well, this job works on Saturday. I was like, fuck, I guess I can't have that job. I know. Yeah, stick to that. Well, not you, but. They did. The immigrants here at the time. Yeah. Or they fell off their religion, you know, and then did work. Well, B&H is closed on B&H Saturday. Is, closed. is it really? <laughs> oh, the bagel yeah. place? No, B&H, the camera place. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Shut down. Yeah. And Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. It sure is. And it's like. And you get over it. guy sticks to his fucking guns you and makes a shitload it. less money. Yeah. 
Well, he gets devout. He gets devout customers, though. Sure. So either you either you become McDonald's or you have a fan base that is loyal to you th- thick and thin. Yeah. And then you use the money that you do make from Chick-fil-A to, you know, support anti-gay, anti-gay stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I don't eat a Chick-fil-A. That's why? I also don't eat chicken, but. Right. Oh, okay. Do you really not eat chicken? No, I don't eat chicken. You eat beef? Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Mm, pescatarian. Okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, just chicken? No, <laughs> like, no, no, cool. no. I try to stay away from, like, the meats. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right. Well, we figured out nothing about the the media. I will say this: if you if you support real journalism, you're doing a good job. There are some good reporters and good pa- newspapers out there and websites that are actually doing the work. And you know, when this shit hits the fan, you'll see that they've been writing about it for years. Which ones? Uh, you know, not all, I, but just what we can think of. I really like Joy Reid on uh-huh. MSNBC. I like Joy Reid. I like. Um, I'm trying to think of people, which is weird because you end up thinking about people instead of publications. Yeah, the weird thing is that because the publications hire some phonies and some real people. Yeah. And so you have to like, I'm only going to read the columns in the Washington Post by these three people. Yeah. Instead of like the Washington Post. Yeah, you get yeah you break it down. And then also because the people have their own personal agendas. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, I do think that Washington, the Washington Post pol- politics section is still on target. I think that they have a lot of shit that they get firsthand and um but i do follow individual people's accounts um i follow kyle griffin who is a producer on msnbc um i follow maggie harper man or something like that from new york times i follow joy reed um i actually follow this guy malcolm nance who is a former um intelligence officer who has a book about how russia stole our election that came out like three years ago so he's like he, three years ago yeah he like knows all the shit already oh. so like he's in tapped into it and he's been in the intelligence community for like over 25 years so a lot of stuff that he retweets and things i'm like i need to pay attention to this because he knows some shit without he can't really say but he's yeah. like i'm gonna retweet this thing about a secret agent dossier and you're just like noted yeah. so a lot of times I find myself like going out and doing my own like little piece it together type of stuff. But I just think, you know, sitting on Facebook and looking at headlines is going to do you a disservice. Do no good. It affects your brain so much. It does. And I also, even though, you know, I still love journalism, I do minimize my consumption. I, I try to limit it to like 40 minutes a day. Online? Online of like looking at stuff. You know what I always looked for but I could never find on, on, on the iPhone when I had one? It was a app that will shut your phone down if you go over that time. Oh. They have some that like will set off an alarm, but mm-hmm. you can just shut off the alarm and go right back to Twitter. Yeah. I mean like it'll put you into safety mode where you can only access your phone oh. after you've gone over that time. What's you that? set whatever time you feel is right. There's, I know there's something for like when you want to write, like if you like yeah. it shuts off the internet, but Yeah, but then you go right back to it. It's yeah. still on your computer. It's not like I now have four I can't even get on there for three hours. You can't do that. Oh, you can't. You know, you can't do that. It just takes one person complaining, and be like, "I needed to check something, and it got locked out of but my." Those phone. yonder pouches. Well, you've seen it with Chappelle, but like, I don't know if you saw the line. People complain. Most people take it, but yeah. some people are like, "Well, I what if I have, I have kids?" And so you can and you're like, "Well, that's why you got a babysitter." Yeah, and then you tell them you can just when you feel the buzz, you can come outside and unlock it. And they're like, "Well." Like what? You got a perfect answer to your question. Yeah, but they're so addicted to it. it. Nobody wants to be inconvenienced. That's the thing. We don't want to be inconvenienced at all. And we don't really know what it is to work hard. Yeah. We work hard, but it's our, our, our work hard is mental work. It's like you're, we're mentally exhausted at the end of the day, but physically we're not, we have not been tested in any kind of way. And I feel like in order to survive, you need, you need a good mix. I think you need a good mix of both. 
Joey Diaz used to say that sometimes about people. Like, they need a good smack in the face. I just said this on um, Yamanika's podcast, uh-huh. and I'm going to say it again because I know somebody's going to try and bring it up and pull it in my face. I honestly believe the reason why white women are in the position that they're in is that they have never had the threat of being punched in the face. They don't understand that fear or that, oh, I might not, I shouldn't say this shit or I shouldn't be here. They're so like crazy. So coddled. Like they just, you like, as a black woman, as a woman of color, I know if I walk down the street and a man gives me a compliment and I'm like, no, thank you. He may throw a Snapple bottle at my head. (laughs) Like there's no sense of like, that I saw this thing. I saw this thing of a police woman, myself. Yeah, of a woman, a white woman screaming in a cop's face during like Zuccamati Park or whatever, mm-hmm. something like that. And she's like, drool is coming down. She's like, like screaming. It's just a picture, and the cop is just sitting there. I mean, a, a, two feet away, a foot away from her face, screaming at him. And it goes, "This is white privilege." Of course, <laughs> and it's like, of course. Like, and it's interesting because now with the whole Me Too movement, it's like white women are being like, "We are, we're victims," and black people are like oh okay yeah fuck off leave the room been there and not to say that not to say that your assault quote unquote isn't real Mm -hmm. but we've had that done to us and more and we still get up and go to work every day like it it does not alter our existence but because now you found your voice everybody's supposed to fall in line and just like you you would you didn't give a fuck about us being raped you yeah. didn't give a shit about black women not getting much 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 money as you didn't give a fuck about black the- women get raped in college so much more than white women. Oh my and god, and there's that's crazy. far more white women in college. Yeah, no, and nothing gets and said it about never it. Never gets like done anything. About- oh, no, don't even start. Don't even start about the domestics who get abused. Yeah, at work, hotel cleaner ladies go to somebody orders towels they come in a guy's fully naked or you know like shit like that or come on in leave it over there next thing you know like constantly being approached inappropriately by men and now all of a sudden because and i only believe the only reason why white women are into it well the actors into it and also because the president you know all grubbing about a pussy thing so it's like oh we can't go along with this now yeah and somebody raised a good point is like the reason why white women have been going along with this because they've been told since forever that their safety and their like sanctity is in the white male patriarchy so if you dismantle that you're not nobody's gonna treat you as good as a white man's gonna treat you so you better fucking eat this shit and be Take a princess it's pretty good like a dog yeah like a dog would be like well i guess i'm subservient but like he does give me food yeah and so now that other people are like, no, this is for real bullshit. Then white people are like, oh yeah, this is bullshit. My friend wrote an article, Rachel Simmons. She's like a girl's leadership mm-hmm. guru or something. She wrote Mean Girls, or the book that Mean Girls was based on. And um, she wrote this article on, fuck it, oh, somewhere, Steubenville, Ohio. Remember that? It was some yes, lady by the- football players. Like we were picking her up yeah. by her arms and legs. She was passed out. And, and they, they videotaped it to, and posted yeah, right it. Mm-hmm. And she goes, yeah, we've all already agreed this is terrible. Anonymous was the only one that was like, we're the ones who will unbury this because yeah. the local high school coach and the sheriff was like, let's mm-hmm. just bury it. Anonymous like, Mm-mm, we're putting this out. Um, they're another group that everybody shits on sometimes. Like all they do is fucking put stuff out for justice. Yeah. But she was like, Rachel's point was like, we all agree it's, it's terrible. There's nobody not taking that side. Because look at the other women in the room watching this woman get dragged away yeah. and saying nothing. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it was all this thing of like, I don't want to stand up because then I'm going to be ostracized. And like, how much do you feel like ostracization is like that bad to you to where you're going to allow something terrible to happen? Cultural, cultural, I mean, I feel bad for white women because they're the cultural norms that they have to adhere to. It's like 
the re- it's, just, it's the reason why as a black woman I get to say I'm a strong black woman kiss my motherfucking ass you can't tell me shit and you feel it right yeah a white woman can't say that uh uh-uh. uh they're like why are you angry oh you're a lesbian alright I bet you, you don't shave your armpits <laughs> like they just attack the cat like a white woman can't say I'm a strong woman I don't need no man black women have been saying I'm a strong black woman I don't need no man because systematically the man was gone was gone yeah, exactly <laughs> so like, you I had to, something. so it's like a mantra that you had to believe in order to get through your it's fucking day super wealthy white women when their fr- husband gets arrested for fraud or something she goes what do I do now yeah it's like I don't know get a job yeah I've never balanced a checkbook I have no idea it's like, sorry, there's no sympathy coming. No sympathy. So, yeah, so, you know, the the way that, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's like, yes, we're all women, but we all have our own story and we all have our own experiences. And don't try to, like, uh, minimize that to fit your Me Too agenda mm-hmm. just because you need numbers. Like, don't act like my experience is a part of your experience because you want us to band together like Transformers. Like, my shit was already popping and you didn't give a fuck. That's- and now yeah. you need mass. Now you need mass. So you're just like, come on, everybody get together. No. That's what the Palestinians did when the first Iraq war happened. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we're going to send Scud missiles over uh, and try to like hit Tel Aviv, but not Jerusalem because they're all Palestinians in Jerusalem. Like, your guys are our brothers. And then Arafat, it was like one of the few moves I saw that I liked. He was like, fuck off. You never helped us. We've been <laughs> suffering for 25 years. You never said a word. You were two states over. Yeah. You never said, oh, and now because you're at war with America, now you're going to like include us to help your cause. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. They're like, we're almost got there. Don't fucking take us down with you. Yeah. Which is why when people are like, we all should stand together and we should come. Yeah, black like, like, what? What? You voted for him. Yeah. And if you didn't, your friends did. Yeah. And so just like you want to lump all black people or people of color together, like y'all do this. We looking at you like y'all. More white women voted for Trump yes. than did not vote for, than, excuse me, than voted for Clinton. Crazy. But yeah. why? Because the patriarchy. Because it's like he's a strong man and he's a um, piece of money. He's a businessman. He's made good money. I wish I wish I could be married to a billionaire like Donald Trump. Some of it, too, is just general lack of action. I saw like a kids getting hurt Instagram Mm -hmm. where this guy was like this woman was trying to get out of like a flowing like river and like on a rock. And she was like trying. And this guy was holding a baby and like and like trying to like help his wife. But he was on like like dry rock Mm -hmm. and he was helping and she like helped her across. And then, like, she got in front of him, and then she fell, and that made him fall. And then they, the man and the baby fell into the river and were, like, flowing away. And the woman's like, fuck! And she, like, runs in after them. Everyone else is just, and these are all white people, but everyone else is just staring, like, what the fuck? No one else, like, the bystanders, yeah. were like, quick, grab my hand! Like, they, yeah. everyone, the normal is lack of action. Yeah. And so then you see anything, and you're just like, you just stare at it. Crazy. Yeah, when you get time to think, you would be like, oh, I should have jumped in and helped them, or... I'm always I'm always thinking of how to jump in. I'm always the one that's like, that's crazy. Let's fucking do something about it. I saw a video on in the cabs of a woman getting, I guess it was like a rape attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see like inside their apartment, you know, you go through that door yeah. and the, this guy followed her and grabbed her and was like grabbing her skirts and stuff. And like, and then these like, and she was like trying to fight him off for like 10 seconds. And then two other people come in the front door, just live there on and they opened the door. They saw it. And they both like backed up. What? Like back out. They're like, what? And then the guy saw them. Didn't realize how cowardly they were. And then like ran past them and out. But like he could have just kept raping that girl. I they would have, have needed like a minute. Mm-hmm. Them the fuck out. They were so like, uh, I don't. What's, is there danger to me? Like, I don't. And then just like, no pussies. one knows. Yeah, we're pussies. We're pussies. We're pussies. We really truly are. Yeah. When it comes down to it, we all talk a big game on Facebook and we're all fucking pussies. I'm telling you, more people need to get punched in the face. It makes you tough. 
I mean, not literally punched in the face, but just the ex- the, the mm-hmm. experience of having your endorphins raised, walking into a room, be like, I need to be on edge. I need to be alert. I need to be mindful of my exits. Who the fuck is in here? Like, just having that constant, like, yeah. realization that I'm not in a safe space makes you a tougher person. Yeah. Well, you got to put your mind on it. You have to. And then you get like those Italians who take it way too far. Like, oh, I don't sit with my back to the door. I'm like, you've never, you're not in the mafia, fuck face. Shut up. No one's coming to to pop you. Very rarely have you heard somebody get shot up at a fucking restaurant. At a restaurant. <laughs> like, come on. That is fucking shit from the Godfather. Yeah. Nothing to do with you. How dare you think that you're on that level? <laughs> yeah, that you're that important that somebody's going to shoot you? Brett Ernst? <laughs> fuck off. <sighs> All right, well. Yeah, good job. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for explaining shit to me. That was fun. Appreciate um, it. You got I feel a podcast? Like you know, I feel like you know so much that I that you, that you learn stuff. I feel like you know a lot of stuff. I try to keep my mind open. Good. That's what I like about you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I only know you um, on sober days, so I don't know how you are. On sober days? Yeah. What do you mean? I, I don't see you when you're a, an animal. Oh, right. I see you when you're like of clear mind and body. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, so how's everything going in the world? Yeah. I got a bit of a reputation from like my fighting years in comedy, the first like seven or eight years. Yeah, I met you after that. Yeah. And people are like, why does everyone hate you? <laughs> like, uh, whatever, probably justified, <laughs> mostly justified or from a justified place. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, I have a podcast. My podcast is called Social Misfit with Chloe Hilliard. Um, I have one guest on like this, but not uh, this long. I have oh, one sorry. guest on. No, no, it's fine. I have one guest on and we dissect one of their social media posts. One of their social media mm-hmm. posts? Yeah, so they have to read it and we break it down and talk about why they wrote that and they where they were. They the one? They send me, normally send me three and I'll pick the one that I know has the most legs because okay, yeah, it allows yeah, yeah. me as a journalist to like have like a long form in-depth conversation. So Just on a joke they make? No, anything. Something like ser- anything. What do you think of like comics writing serious posts all the time on Twitter? Um, I'm trying to, sometimes I feel like it's like a call for attention. Like I want to know what it is, but you also realize that sometimes people have unresolved personal issues that they don't know how to communicate because they haven't gotten over it yet. So this is their way of putting it out there. And then it's also very dismissive because it goes away. Or if somebody asks them about it, they be like, oh, that was just, nah, nah, nah. so that's why I like my podcast. Cause I get to be like, no, 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 we're going to sit in this moment yeah. and figure out what it is. Cause I think we don't take you, accountability. You go one opinion for a while. And then after like five minutes, they're like, actually, you know what? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's not completely true, but on Twitter you don't get to take it back. No. And people are like, how come you only said this? Like, I don't know. It's what, there's so little space. Yeah, I feel like you should you should be able to defend the shit that you put out there. So that's you shouldn't what, say. It's, I hate when people say it's just a joke. I'm like, no, man. If someone's getting that upset about your jokes, that means your jokes are powerful, and you need to live in that moment and seize it and make it take something it. better. If you want to anger people, then fucking let them be angry. But it's also you got to realize that a lot of comics don't really do a lot of time. So they don't understand how something that like that um, charge could actually be a good chunk of an hour. Oh, right. You know, they're thinking like, oh, it was just a tweet. I just put out at 2 a.m. And you're just like, no, but if you. Where did it come from? Why? Where did it come from? Why? why? Like, that that, follow the thought process. Get topic? into it. Yeah. Like, that could be a good 10, 15 minutes, but you don't do that much time. So you don't even realize don't to how anything. to build on anything. So I'm always telling comics to do stories. I'm like, well, I'm like, because it's fucking nine minutes. Yeah. You get one story, you get like a fucking large chunk. You're fucking 20% of the way into your special. Mm-hmm. If you just, you know. Well, all of the greats have stories. People don't realize it's a story because they have so many like ad libs and. Yeah, they fill it in with Yeah, stuff. fill it in with so many other things. Yeah. All right. 
Cool. Wait, what? Twitter and Instagram? Are you on okay, Twitter? yes. Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me. Chloe, C-H-L-O-E underscore Hilliard. I got on there early, so. Lame. Yeah, I got on there early. I didn't know. It was, oh, I was an early adapter, so yeah. I was like, I want my name and I want people to see my it's first and my last it's name. Space. It's a space. <laughs> Chloe underscore Hilliard on Twitter and Instagram. And you can go to ChloeHilliard.com to see where I'm performing. And my podcast is there and also video clips of me. If you don't know, I am a black woman. Um, we did not say that up top, but you know. I want to do podcasts with people and just never have their race or gender come up. <laughs> but it always does, you know? Because it's a part of your experience. I don't like when people say, I don't see color because my color has part of it a part of how people respond to me it's not yeah it's not how it's not how i see the world it's how the world sees me yeah you get treated differently because you have access to what the jewish world and the white male world so you're a dual citizen my biggest problem with black comedy is that same with gay comedy and for sure muslim comedy more black more more gay and muslim comedy but or arab whatever but like that so much has to be about the black experience where I'm like, I get it. I know you're black, yeah. but like I have trouble relating to some of this, but like as a black woman, was the train late? Can you talk about the, <laughs> the smelly guy you next know, to you? You know what's so funny? I don't, even just... really, I don't even really talk about the black, my black experience. Yeah. I talk about being a woman. I definitely talk about that. I talk about like, you know, all of that that comes with that. And, but I don't say, I don't, I don't really do black people, but I have like certain jokes that I do where I like say white people uh-huh. and I realize now saying white people, it, it's basically like saying niggers. You know it, what I'm saying? It's such a negative connotation. It now. takes on like a, a like a, like a, like yeah. a group clan type of mentality and that's not my intention. So I just say people yeah. or because or Americans, which is the majority white anyway, but you know when you say because white people, then they be like, oh, yeah. When I say about travel stories and I talk about white people in this, and I realize people are like, oh, you mean like colonialists and stuff like that? I'm like, oh no, <laughs> what I mean is Westerners, yeah, people from Germany yeah. and and fucking Israel mm-hmm. and Africa, but coming to those places, yeah, just Western culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, you say the it's like weird. It's weird because everybody's looking for you to say that you hate that thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's not all black people and it's not all gays who do like Tim Dillon barely talks about, mentions it maybe no, passing once, but like I like Omar from the wire as a gay character. Yeah. Where it's like, you found out three episodes in that he's gay. Yeah. You know? And he's like, yeah, it's mostly about robbing drug people. Yeah. Like that's the main that's thing it. you should care about me. Not who I fuck. Like I'm a terrible person. It doesn't matter. That's like <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm terrible. Yeah. I, and I feel bad sometimes that, that, you know, minority groups or whatever mm-hmm. feel the need to talk about it mixed with also like well prior did it i'm just trying to be like prior yes where it's like sort of unoriginal but also like the need to talk about it is like well at the sucks, end of the day like, if you are in a bad relationship it has nothing to do with you being black you're just in a bad relationship yeah or if you know you're broke is because you're broke, broke. and not like well you know how black I people mean, are it's like just you, you it's like, you systematically yeah i get it but like you're talking about not being able to afford a fancy dinner it's just less relatable it's like even if i say like men do this it's like i'd rather say i do this thing where yeah i'll wipe and go right to the shower or something like that instead of going men do that where it's like that's just too broad now it's like if you want to relate to me then you can but it's my experience true you know what that's all comedy is about is about your experience and hoping that somebody else can either empathize or sympathize yeah yeah Exactly. I've never done that, but that sounds crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chloe. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Life is bad, so we are
is the episode, everybody. Um, I got a new house guest coming tomorrow at this time, Brendan Burns, who will be in New York. Um, by the way, if I don't put out a podcast before then, uh, Ali Sadiq has a new special on February 23rd on Comedy Central, 11 p.m., 10 p.m. Central. Guys, Ali Sadiq is one of my favorite comics. Set your DVRs and make sure to watch that. Um, he's doing it live from a prison. You know Ali from my, from my storytelling show, This Is Not Happening. Um, um, eight years ago today, we started it in the improv, Psychedelia. With Dan Madonia, Mark Marin. Where's that poster? Oh, I dropped it and I put it behind. Mark Marin, Steve Agee, Dylan Brody, Joey Diaz. In front of 14 people in the fucking side room of the improv. Eight years ago today. Ah, pretty nuts, huh? Eight years. We did a bunch of them. Yeah. We got the name later. The name came after like four or five that we did. Then we're like, let's get a name. We came up with this not happening. Um, and you know, now cause of whatever. Um, but what a great show. Belladonna was there. Porn star Belladonna was one of the 14 people and her husband. I must've said that a thousand times. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the episode. If you got any hookups for ski rentals that I can rent in one place and drop off on another myself and, uh, and Ryan O'Neill, this is the first time I just asked people to open for me because I'm just now able to get people to open for me that I that I wanted. Before it was like, uh-uh. And maybe I could convince the club after begging to be like, please let me bring this guy who's from your town. He'll stay with his parents. It won't cost him anything. But now for the first time, they're like, oh, you can bring whoever you want. We'll pay for a hotel. So I would just ask people. I'm like, hey, do you ski? And they're like, no. They're like, why? I'm like, ah, no reason. Forget it. And then I got to O'Neill. I'm like, do you ski? He's like, I love skiing. I've been skiing for 20 years. I'm like, hey, are you free these days? We can go to fucking Salt Lake. And he was like, yeah. So he's going to open for Renazisi the week before in Salt Lake City and then open for me. And then we're going to ski before, we're going to ski during, and we're going to ski after. So if you've got any hookups on ski rentals, we can rent in like Park City and then return like, I mean, a week and a half later in like Powder Mountain. or No, not, we're not going to ski Powder the last day. We might ski, but not the last day there. Alta, Brighton, Solitude. Are there any spots I should be hitting? I mean, I figure Alta, Brighton, Solitude are the best ones. Park City, because you have to, because don't be an asshole. You have to go. And then Powder Mountain seems cool. What am I missing? No, I can't wait to ski this much. Um, All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ari Shavir Skeptic. Oh, let me tell you the dates one more time. I'll just run through them. Salt Lake City. I'm going to go through February and March. Salt Lake City. Boise, now March. Seattle sold out. Um, Calusa, Vancouver, Edmonton, now April. Albany and Syracuse with Adrian Appalucci is coming with me. Perth, Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney in May, Brisbane. Mm, that's it. Maybe go to Sasquatch on the way home. And maybe Singapore and Shanghai. I might do that. Maybe Japan. Um,. June, I got DC and San Francisco all on the schedule right now. Go to AriTheGreat.com for tickets. AriTheGreat.com slash tour. You can see everything. Um, European tour is being finalized. That'll be November, but that's a long way away. The, the Wandering Jew tour continues. 
My shows in Melbourne are called Heretic. That is what the Wandering Jew tour will be in the festivals. Fringe and and uh, the Melbourne Fringe, I guess, or the Melbourne Festival and the Edinburgh Festival, the Edinburgh Fringe. It'll be all Jew stuff. Until the Jew stuff is complete and ready to do on the road, um, I'll be filling in with other killer material. Nothing you've seen in the special. It's all 100% new. Um, but until I get... Right now, the Jew stuff is about 40 strong minutes. And I wanted it 55, and then I want to let it grow from there. But when I get to 55, then I can, that, that'll be ready for that for, uh, for, for uh, Melbourne. And probably Sydney, too. You should see the artwork for it. It's sick. All right. Shall we start? Let's. Ladies and gentlemen, Ari Shafir, Skeptic Tank, episode 315. Thank you, ZipRecruiter.com slash Skeptic. Thank you, Laughable, the app that's free that allows you to download and play uh, podcasts in a super easy way, way better than fucking the iPhone app. Um, thank you all of them and thank you Chloe Hillier make sure to check out her podcast let her know if you liked her Ari Shavir's Skeptic episode 315 fake news with Chloe Hilliard over and out here's a little song I wrote you might want to sing it note for note don't worry be happy in every life we have some trouble when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. No place to lay your head Somebody came and took your bed Don't worry Be happy The landlord say your rent is late He may have to litigate Don't worry Be happy Look at me, I'm happy Don't worry, be happy, I give you my phone number, when you worry, call me, I make you happy, don't worry, be happy, ain't got no cash, ain't got no style, ain't got no gal to make you smile, but don't worry, be happy, cause when you worry your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down, so don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy now. Don't worry, be happy, 
Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, don't worry, don't do it. Be happy. Put a smile on your face. Don't bring everybody down like this. Don't worry. It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry, be happy. I'm not worried. I'm happy.
Luther King says he does not intend to cancel plans for an open housing march Sunday in the Chicago suburb of Cicero. Cook County Sheriff Richard Ogilvie asked King to call off the march, and the police in Cicero said they would ask the National Guard to be called out if it is held. King now in Atlanta, Georgia, plans to return to Chicago Tuesday. In Chicago, Richard Speck, accused murderer of nine student nurses, was brought before a grand jury today for indictment. The nurses were found stabbed and strangled in their Chicago apartment. In Washington, the atmosphere was tense today as a special subcommittee of the House Committee on Un-American Activities continued its probe into anti-Vietnam War protests. Demonstrators were forcibly evicted from the hearings when they began chanting anti-war slogans. Former Vice President Richard Nixon says that unless there is a substantial increase in the present war effort in Vietnam, the U.S. should look forward to five more years of war. In a speech before the Convention of the Veterans of Foreign Wars in New York, Nixon also said opposition to the war in this country is the greatest single weapon working against the U.S. That's the 7 o'clock edition of the news. Good night.